Alright, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters of the brush, it's Chris Grundy, your host of The Brush Shop Show. Tonight, we're heading out to Bend, Oregon, or somewhere around Bend, Oregon, to speak to Jeff Ross of Castle Painting and Restoration. Hey Jeff, how's it going? Good man, how you doing? Not bad. Let me just set this up here. Bam. Boom. All right. We're good. How was your day today? Going all right today. Today was a little slower day. To, you know, not killing myself today. So it's always a good day taking a little rest in the body. Well, you got a, a train rolling on through? Yeah, we got a train track right behind us. There was a uh, old, uh, basically right where we are, Old Town. They used to park the trains right here in Overload. So I got a door I can open up right to the back down there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Right on, right on. All right, man. Well, this is season three, episode number 15, if I'm on track, because I can't remember. I think we're on 15. Um, and it belongs to you. So please tell the people who you are and where you're from. Well, first off, I appreciate the invite from you, sir. And I'm uh, glad to be here today to talk, you know, talk with you Thank and answer you. some questions. So my name is Jeff Ross, uh, currently living in uh, basically, like you said, Bend, Oregon. We actually live in Redmond, which is just a little bit north of that. Um, southeast of Portland, which is what most people know Oregon for, or Portland PDX, the Timbers. So, um, yeah, that's where we're from. Right on. So, I, we spoke earlier, and I was very surprised that you were on the West Coast. Because I always yes, thought, I guess there's more than one Portland, and I think there's a Portland, Maine, which is over here. So, where the hell are the Portland Trailblazers from? Your way from, from my way. Us. Us, yeah. Oh, they're from Portland, yeah. Timbers, Trailblazers, that. yeah. It seems yeah, they'd I like should've... to name their teams with a T. I guess if I would have realized that they're in the West, that would have answered yes, my own question, right? But you got to make a show of it, so you got to ask all the questions, even if you know the answers, right? You know it all, right? Well, that's what they say. That's <laughs> what they say. And then there's my wife, who does know it all. Womp womp. All right, well, let's get into this, Jeff Ross. Sounds good, man. So how long have you been in the painting industry? So I've been painting more or less since I could probably pick up a brush. My dad started out uh, flipping houses back in the 80s. I was born in the 80s and, uh, you know, slowly thereafter, he started to kind of do that more often. I was involved and as soon as I can remember wanting to put my hands down on it and help out and lend a hand and make some money with him or just in general play around, there was an opportunity available for me when he was doing that type of stuff. And we moved a lot as kids as well. And so every time my parents and stuff would move, you know, there'd be house, you know, paint, walls to paint, things to fix up. So been kind of doing that my whole life, really. Okay. So out of high school, is that when you became a painter? Like So out of high you... school, I was living in Vegas at the time and uh, just did general stuff in high school, kind of picking up jobs here and there. I actually did, was a mobile detailer for a while um, during the summers in Vegas, which was uh heck of a time in the heat out there doing that. But I, I like to change around a little bit. I always like to stay with one direction and I wanted to uh, understand what it was like to do different jobs, you know what I mean? Uh, use my hands for different things and see what I really liked. Uh, wasn't always something that fell in my lap. Painting was just something that I've always enjoyed. And a lot of my family's really artistic. And for me, that's what I get out of the painting that we do, you know, more or less house painting and residential commercial style is the, uh, the ability to kind of transfer that into the, something I enjoy and not just, a, not just work. 
Mm -hmm. So when you were working with dad as a kid, dad was doing more than just painting, right? Oh yeah, he doing had guys out that would come in and do stuff, and I'd watch him. And you know, no, no, no other way to learn than to get involved. You know, get your hands dirty. So anytime I could hop in or grab a tool or watch, um, that's pretty much what I did. We were homeschooled for a little while in high school. I actually dropped out for about two years um, because it just wasn't you know clicking for me. And so we did some homeschool for a while. And at the time, he was working on some houses, and I got to actually work. And uh, at some point it became, you know, a choice. Do you want to go back to high school and get your diploma or just keep on working? I'm the guy that, you know, like I said, gets my hands dirty. I don't, school's great and all, don't get me wrong. Education's great, but again, no way to learn, but to do it. And that's mm -hmm. been my whole thing. My whole life is just, you got to do it to learn and to adapt. So. Right on. You know, it's always interesting because a lot of guys have the similar story to you working with dad, you know, doing yeah. renos and stuff like that. So of all of these different things that you may have done growing up, you know, why did it lead to wanting to be a painter? Why not an electrician or a plumber or hanging drywall or you know, <laughs> why is it that you chose yeah. painting? I think I think for me, the painting has enough elements in it that are uh, slow and methodical as well as grinded out. You know, there's there's different styles in it. And again, for me, it has the variety. Um, a drywaller, you get the same kind of thing with big and big and small, but just picking up those sheets was never something that I enjoyed. I had a bad experience as an electrician uh, working on some signs uh, kind of around high school and right past that when I started to get into the field there doing uh, signage for businesses. And I was working on an LED sign and shocked myself. And ever since then, I'll never touch electricity again. I uh, took it straight. You know, it, it basically had me stuck. It was a bad experience. So, no, I don't mess with electricity. I can even feel it to this day just running through me. So, <laughs> no, that's I, not I, I still feel mine, too. My dad did a whole bunch of different things in the construction industry. And my mom had bought me a dimmer switch for my, my room. Right. I was about maybe 12 at the time. And I was too excited to wait for my dad to come, oh, yeah. you know. So not knowing. Now I look back and it's like, Chris, how stupid were you? I didn't know to go shut the power off. No, nothing. I got a flathead screwdriver. I took off the plate. Yep. I took out the two screws to take the uh, outlet out put that screwdriver on the side. I was holding it with my left screwdriver with the right. And it went up both arms. And choo! I said, oh, hell yeah. no. And that, that, that's, that's peaches compared to, you know, actual building power and, you know, it's oh, the amperage that comes in and you never know. And I didn't realize either, you know, I was thinking, oh, no big deal. I was just hooking up an LED wire, you know, LED is not a lot of voltage and we're just hooking up to the power source. And I was kind of up inside a crawl space on my ladder and uh, was sweating and stuff. And my sweat is what created the circuit. Again, nothing I did, but my sweat created the circuit. And the moment I knew was the moment I decided to try to let go. You can't let go. It literally sucks you into it. And so I knew I had, you know, only however much time I had, I had to make one choice. And I kicked the ladder out from underneath me and fell to the ground about nine feet. But again, it was the happiest day of my life because I wasn't stuck to that darn electricity. And yeah, yeah no, it's no thanks. Yeah, no, electrical is uh, one of those things that I don't like either. I don't mind, you know, in my own home, running some pot lights and stuff like that. A little I, bit here or there when I know that circus off, but see, even then, you know, we live and learn. So that was a big catastrophic moment for me. And again, could have turned off the breaker. It was as simple as that, just getting somebody mm -hmm. to do it. Was it convenient? Yeah. Maybe not. The smart way, yes. And, you know, as we're young, we do things and we learn when we get old, right? So live and learn. If it has to be the hard way, well, it is, so be it. No, that's it. That's it. So what was it that, because uh, I know you said that you traveled around with that too. You guys moved quite a bit. Yeah, he, you know, both my parents married quite a few people through the years. And because of that, we moved. Often people think we were a military family because we never really stayed somewhere other than, you know, two years at most. But for us, it was kind of normal. It wasn't something we were unused to. Was it, you know, 
so we moved around from, we lived in Georgia for a little while as kids. We lived in Colorado. Um, I did live in Oregon as a kid, which is one of the reasons I came back up here was because I remember it as a kid. And uh, my dad was on the East Coast up in Pennsylvania for a while. Um, I helped him build a business out in Santa Monica right before I moved up to Oregon. So we kind of we kind of hopped around the map a little bit. I've done a lot of traveling and seen a lot of places through my through my years. So. Okay. So when you left uh, Santa Monica and you head back to Oregon, you were literally going with no job back there, no nothing, and you were going to start your business? Yeah, pretty much. I, uh, when we were working out there, you know, knew it was time to kind of just get back to doing my own thing. My dad's business out there was doing fine. It just was kind of more his than mine. I was helping out at the time and we were, you know, living together and stuff. And, and it was really enjoyable. We actually lived right across the street from Santa Monica Pier, literally across the street. Uh, there's the hotel and another hotel beside it. I believe it's called the Georgian. And there's another hotel called Oceanfront. And we were smack dab in the middle of the two. I mean, you could throw a rock and hit the pier. So that was a cool, you know, once in a lifetime experience to be out there and couldn't, couldn't not go, you know, help him out and try and build it out there. But just wasn't for me. We stayed there a while. I met a, my fiance out there. Basically, she came and kind of lived with us for a while out there to kind of see if we wanted to stay there. And we just decided that we just wanted to kind of get out of California and that wasn't our spot and came back home where she grew up and we stayed with her parents for a little while. So that helped out kind of, you know, be a little bit of a buffer to get things going. But yeah, pretty much just decided to come up there and start things out. All right. So let's, let's talk about how that was, you know, moving California to Oregon, almost, I guess you knew people, you had her family there and stuff. But you're still trying to start a business, which is not as yeah, easy. Yeah, we just... it, was, it was definitely a different, you know, again, my dad had his way of doing things, which was great. Uh, he's kind of old school and he actually hands out a ton of business cards. He used to walk the streets in Santa Monica and leave cards at businesses. That's how we'd get our work. And he'd buy, you know, thousands of cards a month, probably 3000 and just go ride his bike around and leave cards at a business and leave cards at a business. And people would just call us because they'd pick them up and uh, kind of knew that was one way of doing it you know and as a kid i saw his way of sales tactics and other painters and stuff and i just figured i'd kind of take it slow and see how it could go and kind of get acclimated at the time we were listing on craigslist which was really big in portland and still is i believe and uh we stayed as busy as we kind of needed to at the time to grow it um but i knew i wasn't really at the time i didn't have a contractor's license up there uh, once we started out which obviously you know as everybody knows a lot of painters kind of do that gray area of painting at times, but I didn't want to get a slap on the wrist. I didn't want to get in trouble. So I decided to get my licensing and get official. And uh, that took some time to kind of get set up a couple months where we weren't really making money. Um, and then the lead law came into play basically out there where if you work on lead work homes, if you test it and you're working on over, I believe, 10 square feet at a time, you got to get licensed to work on that lead and have a certificate and do it a certain way or you can be in trouble because of, you know, environmental stuff and employees and things of that nature. So we lost a couple homes up there at the time, and that was pretty tough to kind of settle in with, you know, especially since that was my first kind of moment of building my, my own company, really, uh, mm -hmm. in the cleaning world. So it was a little so, tough at the time. So did you end up getting a lead license? Yeah, we did. We, we, like I said, we ran for, I believe it was about six to eight months, you know, kind of under the radar, catching jobs as we could, not taking on too much and, you know, doing that. And then we got our licensing and we had it for, kind of went through all that. But because of that kind of initiation and process, people weren't talking about it at the time. And we, we, we took the approach of, you know, educating our customers and abiding by the rules. And we had three homes or four homes during that summer that we were kind of ready to start doing, but because of the lead law, we couldn't get them. So we kind of had to take a step back for a little while and assess, you know, was it a smart idea to continue forward since 
that's kind of with the way things were going or continue painting. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of people probably know uh, how you're going to deal with lead, but I'm sure there's quite a few that don't. So how is it that you're going to treat a lead painted house? Like, how is it that, what do you have to do in preparation to get that project going? So in Oregon, there's inside and outside. Inside's different than outside. Inside's a whole nother world. For us, it was mostly the outsides that we were dealing with at the time. We didn't do much prep on insides for lead home that made a big difference, you know, or do any sanding of that style on that. But basically, if you're creating lead dust, you've got to contain it. You can't go just blasting it around on neighbors' homes. You can't scrape it everywhere and leave it and pile it in a trash bag and throw it in the garbage and say, oh, I'm good to go. You have to bag it a certain way. You have to wrap a certain color tape on there. You have to tape out, I think it's like 20 feet around the entire home. So you have to use duct tape because nothing else is going to stay planted. Lay out your plastic all the way. and You basically make a containment area on site, even for the exteriors of them. And you basically have to, you know, take it slow and make sure you're containing all that. You have to spray, keep it wet while you're sanding. You can't create that dust. And, you know, especially with employees, which we didn't have, I can't imagine dealing with that, having to have guys wear a full get-up suit, you know, 95 degrees outside, sitting up there scraping eaves of a home, you know, just dying. It can only last so long. We actually did one home where we really, we had to dig in on it and grind some stuff away and do a lot of scraping on it. And man, it was, I said, no, this is, again, I just can't do it. And just about every home out in Portland, they're all old. They're all that, that year. So it was a tough market to try to kind of infiltrate at the time. And uh, like I said, at that moment, wasn't going the greatest for us. All right. So are you still dealing with those today? No, not out here. Not where we live now. I don't have to deal with that out here where we are because they're all newer style homes. They're, you know, past the year. That's the cutoff for having to deal with that. So, you know, none of them have lead. And I've heard a few people out here, like I saw a guy the other day buying a lead kit test at the uh, paint store. And I said, man, you don't run into that too often out here. And he goes, no. And he goes, odds are, you know, if it was pre the year, it, well, it, you don't even have to really test. You know, it's under there if you're going to be doing any scraping or you could see it. So. Yeah, I guess, it's, it's, I guess it's pretty similar with the popcorn and having to test it for asbestos. It's very similar, very similar process, right? So you guys have to, if you're going to mess with it, you got to have all the stuff to do it and deal with it. And that just, again, wasn't our game. It wasn't our ticket. If somebody wants to go do it, great. You need a crew. I knew I needed a crew. Just set up alone would have taken, you know, one to two more days on that job that you're already trying to finish in less than a week. So all of a sudden now you're a week and a half in. And like I said, you know, you're raising your price up two grand from your original quote because, you get a you get tagged for a, you know basically you get a stop work order and they'll stop your license and out here man if you get a slap on the wrist that's not you don't want to be on the radar you know what i mean let alone get uh, get an infraction from them so that's not playing around so yeah right on okay so ross what's your or ross i'm gonna call you your last name oh good jeff what is the your favorite part of owning a small business my favorite part's just being in, uh, being responsible, I think, you know, not having somebody else kind of dictate what are, I should be doing or deciding what the process is. Um, I worked for a lot of other companies through the years, managing, helping, painting, manufacturing, things like that. And, you know, no matter what, you can put in the best work you can possible. But if somebody else is involved one way or another, things can take it. Things don't go necessarily how they could or somebody doesn't make a choice to uh, use your advantages to the best way then you're just spinning your wheels. You know, I just didn't want to spin my wheels. I knew that if I continued to work in the work field, unfortunately, with the way it is that you got a cap, you just can only go so far. And so for me, I decided the only way to get out of that cap was to try to uh, make more money and, and be responsible and continue to grow. So basically, I didn't want to leave it up to somebody else to uh, 
you know, enhance my way of life or, or help me make more money by saying, hey, can I get a can I get a raise, you know, and they're they're not budging, you know, they want to give you 50 cents or a dollar and that's not going to make a difference. You know, you're doing mm-hmm. big, big jobs for these people sometimes and being responsible wholeheartedly where people think you're running the companies and you're just not getting paid, you know, nearly what you should be for doing that type of uh, risk for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I decided to go out on my own was I'd rather, I'd rather be responsible. I'd rather be the, the head, you know, I'd rather be the guy that they know is taking care of it and being the hands-on one as well, which plays into us as well with a lot of our customers that I'm actually on site. So. Okay. Right on. And do you currently have employees? We do not have any employees. I work with a couple subs through some of the things we do. Uh, me and my fiance more or less kind of get in there when we need to. And then if I need to have a bigger job where I got to get a couple hands on, I have a couple sub guys that I can call that I, that I work with as well that, you know, hire me to do work with them too. Okay. So you bounce back and forth. Yeah. Well, I just had linked up with a guy recently out here, same age as me, same kind of mentality about the same year experience. And we, we started working together and, you know, he approached me because our rep, kind of called me and said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to put in some time with this guy? You never know, you know, in the industry, you never know who that guy is. You never met him and you're, you're committing to something. It was like, well, let's just commit to, you know, a couple hours at first and go from there first day. And we started working the first day and just, just clicking, not even thinking about stuff running through and everything we looked at that we thought was going to be an issue. just wasn't, it was, uh, it was a little bit different than working solo, which I've been lately a lot because my wife has been taking care of, you know, my son and, uh, having somebody that we're just literally just moving room to room, chasing paint around, putting fans up and chasing paint drying was, was pretty cool. So that was fun. All right. So is this someone that you're going to continue to work Yeah, we've with? got a couple jobs coming up. He just helped me on that floor. He might have seen a couple things I posted on. He hadn't really done some of that work and uh, brought him over to kind of just lay an extra hand with me so we could get the final coat on there and stick a wet edge. And uh, it's cool to, 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 to learn with somebody and, again, to grow the companies. I'm a big believer in – uh, teamwork, you know, relying on other people together, working together for the greater good, we can both create a bigger picture if we're willing to to help out instead of hurt. Um, that's just been my mentality with a lot of things, and it's worked out so so far so good. Right on. What's uh, what's the the market like in your area? So out here, we're booming like crazy. Portland was booming like crazy too. Houses are selling left and right. You know, you can't even keep up with some of that stuff happening in the real estate market. And obviously because of that, you get the repaints and you get people moving in that want stuff. And basically last year, once we uh, started to do some other type of marketing, it was as much as we wanted to take on, we can kind of take on. And so I could kind of turn it up if I wanted to turn it up and turn it down if I want to turn it down, which was helpful and kind of figure out, you know, at what point we kind of want to, kind of want to be at at times which again has been nice being the person that runs the ship if i had some personal stuff to deal with i can i can deal with it mm-hmm. how did did covid affect you at all because i know COVID was uh, was crazy people. out here you know i think for a lot of people it's real different across the board i've talked to a lot of people in other states and, and we do a lot of uh, installations in other states as well for the sign business that i also run and we've had uh varying degrees of uh COVID issues, uh, whether it be shipping or whether it be access to places or people actually getting it and getting sick and causing our, our job to be delayed. Um, but out here, basically kind of February, March, I guess, was when I think we went on real lockdown out here and nobody really knew, you know, and nobody knew what to do. And so there was a couple of weeks where we were just kind of feathering it out and hanging out at home and kind of seeing what all this was. And uh, after that, I realized part of my business, which is retail signage, 
was going to just take a dump um, because all the everywhere closed. And so progressively over the past six, you know, six months after that, or they're moving forward, I realized it really is dead. And that was a big part of our business before was that it was probably 75% that. Um, so moving forward into the summer and, you know, late spring out here, when, when exterior season, I kind of started to talk to my neighbors and talk to my friends out here and people we know. And luckily we uh, landed a couple of nice jobs to set us up for the you know first few months leading into COVID to, to kind of, ease it a little bit but it definitely uh, slowed things down dramatically compared to what we were used to we we did about a little under 50 percent what we did last year as far as take home this past year okay so you say you have a signed business as well so a separate business yeah, yeah so are... my other my other i guess the uh, trade you could say and you know part of our contracting business is uh, the company name is cerebral installation so i install retail signage i install big wall wraps i install vehicle wraps I install uh, lettering and signage for companies inside and outside. So big signage you see on, you know, commercial and retail facilities. I, I've had a part of that. I posted some pictures in one of my stories. We were painting for a, uh, a sign installation out here that I worked with another sub on. And he put it up for me because that's I don't have, again, my electrical license. And so he put it up for me. I painted it, uh, worked with the, one of my other guys in Portland to make it. And uh, so, yeah, that's part of that's another part of the, the trade that I can kind of branch off into the painting aspect is bringing it into some of the sign world. I just did right a sign for a neighborhood post and panels, you know, uh, where you got to paint the posts and put up the new sign front for them. I just did one of those recently after as well. So, okay. So you say you do vehicle wraps and stuff. So you got all the equipment or do you get it printed somewhere and you do the install? I got a little bit of both. I have uh, more of a, little bit past hobby grade machines that I personally have in my shop. So I have a 30 inch wide, wide format printer and I have a 42 inch wide plotter that I can cut decals on and print stuff on. And so a lot of the stickers, like for the sticker swap, I do my stuff for that. Um, some of the yard signs and stuff, I'll print my own for that. But when it comes to big stuff, like we have a job coming up that we're supposed to install 2000 square feet in a uh, facility of just wall wraps. Basically we're covering the whole place is uh, one of the jobs I'm, I'm up to bat for here coming up. And so that's just wall wraps, flat wall wraps inside a, a big facility out here. So I don't print that stuff. I have people that do that for me because it requires a, a bigger shop, a bigger big space, more manpower, you know, an actual dedication to it. So mm -hmm. I can do some of it here, but not all of it. All right. So to our fellow painters out there that are driving around with these big white plane trucks. Yes, sir. Do you recommend that they put signage you know, well, funny, funny enough, you say that I, I'm the sign guy and I don't have signage on my own vehicle. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, just, one of those deals just... that you got a logo up, you know, you got to put yourself out there. If it's the one customer that, that does it, you know, that calls you from that, uh, it's great. We had uh, when I had my old van, we had it and we had one lady who actually called us on the highway and she wasn't calling me for good stuff. She was calling me to scream at me. So that was always a fun one, too. You think it's going to be out there to get you sales and all it does is have people call you to scream at you. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's funny because today I was on the road and, you know, we, we talk about this every now and then about the guys driving around in these plane vehicles when they have this and, you know, and they want to put up billboards on the highway and stuff and pay. But they have yep. these vehicles that they're already paying for and insured and everything. I saw this one guy today. He was driving a big Crowmaster. He was a gas guy or whatever. And on the side was a little thing about this big. Yeah, which is, magnet, you know, right? a, a, about 12 by 8. You know, yep. 12 inch by 8 inch. And I was just like, 
This thing well, is in some hybrid. places they have to designate themselves. So like if they're uh, if they're like a commercial vehicle, they have to have on there their like license number and a phone number if they're ever parked anywhere or simply the same as us. If if we ever get pulled up on by the contractor's board and they see us working, technically they want to see some type of, you know, identification, give or take on there. So mm. some of that stuff is just logistics for them. But yeah, it's not that hard. You know, a lot of places they charge a lot of money. Um, it's been cool to know, be able to do that for myself because it does save a lot of money. Like we just got a, a van we're going to work into the fleet and it is a white van and uh, I'm planning to put a full wrap on it, which I'll, I'll share with everybody through the process, but it's, uh, it'll be cool. Right on. What does the average, and I know it depends on your graphics and everything else. What's a, an average wrap cost? So, well, van or car, we're talking, we're talking vans. So generally I say van. like lettering, lettering for, uh, you know, a contractor van or truck right for the sides there you're going to start at lettering anywhere from about 500 to 750 installed that's as big as you could put on there just flat lettering you get into the wraps and it doubles to triples from there depending on how much we cover so like my van for instance we're putting the full wrap on it's still expensive for me to buy the material for the material's not cheap i'm about a thousand dollars in on material as it is right mm -hmm. and then i gotta go put that on without screwing it up because each panel is roughly anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks so it ends up being about $3,000. You can get a good wholesale rate for a full wrap four if somebody knows what they're doing and doesn't waste time and product. Mm -hmm. A lot right of people on. charge a lot more than that. <laughs> I, I, I'm always on the fence, you know, with the, the wrap. Do the wrap, don't do the wrap. And I, I went with the windows for now and just put like... No, a your sky. van works, man. Your van's killer. It's easy. The biggest yeah. thing too is, you know, easy to read. You see a lot of these guys out there with these crazy wraps, but you don't know what the hell they do. All you see is their name. You can't call them. You may not be able to write the name down. So, you know, they have a cool wrap that they spend a ton of money on to make their vehicle stand out, but you still can't call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get your eyes are so much to look at there. Exactly. Right? But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought, you know, keep it simple. I had all these crazy ideas and I thought, you know what, keep it simple. I got lots of time to play around. My next vehicle, yep. I might do something, something different. And how long does a, a wrap last? Because I know so nowadays. My... The materials my, my, are so good, they can last about up to 10 plus years. So because of that, they're covering leased vehicles now. Like it's taken a whole shift of itself. So that's, you know, you might see a lot of these luxury vehicles getting wrapped and stuff. And part of that actually is to protect the paint. You got a nice Ferrari that you're leasing. You don't want to bring it back all chipped up and have them charge you to paint it. So they're covering it with vinyl and then they're covering it with actual paint protectant on top of that. And so it's pretty durable and sustainable. And then it's, you know, you take it off within about five years and it comes off pretty clean. Yeah. Cause I know, I know my window, my window lettering, I normally redo every about three years. I could yep. probably get a little more out of it, but it starts. Well, for you, you're in extreme weather basically. Right. So that winter is really what kills it. You know, that cold weather just shrinks vinyl. And mm. once it starts to get shrunk and it gets hard, Kind of like paint, right? I mean, when, when oil paint shrinks, it gets hard and cracks and comes off. So vinyl is basically the same thing. It's a solvent. There's solvents within that that are how also have plasticizers. And when they get old, they just start to crack. The uh, UV inks and all that or, or solvent inks can only last so long. But three to five years would be your average yeah, expectancy, you know, for you. And you probably don't park it in a garage. So no. you're getting full full sun, full weather all the time. Yeah, but when I when I change mine, it's not really necessary to change. It's just I like it to be that bright because I got the yellow, right? And the yellow oh, yeah. kind of fades out. So I see the fade. It still looks great. It's not peeling or anything. Yep. But I just like a brighter yellow. 
you know, and, and my guys does it very cheap for me. You know, you just go That's over. It, man. You get I, a good I, relationship again. It doesn't have to be expensive and it uh, sets you apart. That's I'm my big believer in that too. If I set you up with one, you're set up for two, then we both, you know, bonus on that. And yeah, actually yellow it. and black's the uh, most visible two colors. I don't know really? if you know that or not, but no. uh, as far as visualization, black and yellow is uh, the easiest to read. That's why, you know, caution signs, things like that construction are often yellow and black. Yeah. See, I, I normally pull it off before I go to see him. And then I, I used to take out the varsal, scrub it off. But then he taught yep. me, which I never knew until I redid it last summer. Uh, he said, here, he, I never had any varsal in my truck and he had none in his shop. He's like, here, here. He gave me WD-40. I'm like, what? Ah! He's like, yeah. WD-40 right. can work, yep. I, I never knew it would take that off. I was like, you know, there's I so many things WD does. I usually use a combination of uh, or, orange, you know, the orange remover stuff and uh, alcohol. So oh, yeah. goof off, you know, anything like that, the goof off, and then a mixture of that with alcohol usually does the trick, so. Right on. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get back into this. So I know you are called Castle Painting and Restorations. Yes, when you say restoration, what are we talking about? It's funny you say that when we, again, back when we came up to Portland and I started to get licensed for it and insurance for it, my insurance people actually brought up the restoration part of it and uh, weren't really necessarily willing to try to insure me because of the fact that I had restoration in my name. They tried to say that I was, you know, doing more than I was telling them, basically, I wasn't just your average painter at the time painting a house, I was doing more restoration style grinding stuff out things like that you know for me the restoration is simply taking something old and making it as new as possible obviously a lot of times we're not going to make it brand new sometimes better than new but the restoration part is simply just something's needing help needing to look better needing to be fixed that's the restoration part of the you know our company name because it's not just we're not just slapping a coating up on there we're doing more than that mm -hmm. right on so of, of all these different types of services and sign making and everything that you do what's your favorite thing I enjoy when they cross over for me. That's that's uh, because what we're trying to kind of get into is more uh, build outs and kind of aiding commercial facilities and going in and revamping them for other businesses, you know, going in there and painting all the walls, going in there and doing the trim, going in there, and putting up a wall wrap signage, putting up the signs out front, you know, painting the facade first before the sign goes up. It just kind of branches off each other and works out well to where if we can provide the whole service, we don't have to... Uh, worry about waiting for somebody else to kind of get in there and do it for us first. Oftentimes scheduling's an issue where somebody's got a pain or somebody's got to fix a wall or something goes wrong with some of that. We're, we're waiting. And so if we can be the ones responsible for it, we know what's going underneath it. We know we can do it first and get in there and get out and just make everything look seamless and just have the bigger job really. So mm -hmm. that's my favorite. Yeah. Like I said, right on. And do you offer any kind of uh, warranty? We do on some things. It was uh, interesting moving out here to uh, the Bend area from some other areas where I've lived. Like I said, I lived in, you know, California where it's, it's like they say 60 to 70 all year long, you know, good weather. You don't have too many swings of cold and, and hot. So you could warranty just about any of your work out there pretty much if you do it right. You know, the, you know, the expected outcome, right? Moving out here with the snow and stuff was kind of a, a learning experience this past year and growing to kind of talk to people and understand. I had people approaching me for decks and a couple of clients asked me, you know, what do you do for your warranty? And I wasn't going to get myself in trouble. So I did a little digging around and come to find out nobody warranties decks out here, which isn't, mm -hmm. isn't something I'm used to. You could, but you just never know what those people are going to do with the deck. If they leave snow on it for two months because we got snow, you know, for that amount of time where it never left the deck, well, what's going to happen to any coating you put on there? It's going to get ruined. Or they go out there with their shovel and scrape it up and 
tell you there was a failure, you know, you're just going to get yourself into trouble. So some things we do warranty, some things we don't. Yeah. You know, decks are, are always hard. I, I try to stay the heck away from, I mean, I try to stay inside for the most part as, as yeah. it is. I mean, the odd time we'll, we'll, we'll do a deck if we're working inside and they say, Hey, can you do this deck too? We'll power right. wash it, whatever. I just find that there's, you know, there's no products that actually will last. That's the truth. You know? Well, and it, it's really, I think the expectation of maintenance and a lot of homeowners don't want to hear that. Right. But it's also as well, like if we're willing to work a maintenance plan for you, why does it have to be a big deal? But they just mm -hmm. feel like they should have it on there to just, I need to have it on there. I need it to last longer. I'm sorry, we can't provide that. So what's the next step? Sometimes they don't like to hear that, but that's, that's been the reality of it. Some of it out here, some people are willing because they want it to look nice. You know, those people that go out there and spend time on their decks and appreciate it looking nice. They can understand that, hey, every three to four years, if we take care of it and we don't kill it, we can actually have a nice deck and just takes a little bit of maintenance on some of the boards that are exposed. You know, mm -hmm. and again, people are out here in the in the middle of Central Oregon with, with rain and snow and lots and lots of sunlight. If you want a nice deck, put a gazebo up, you know, somewhere you can sit on there and you're not getting that, that heated sun on you. So there's other, a coating only goes so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But these, but these latex, these latex ones, man, whether it's over old or whether it's over new, I, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. You know, if we do, I had, we uh, down all the way. I don't, you know, I haven't ever done one where I just go over something else. And that's what was weird for me. Again, I've done it that way. And I had the expectation that, oh, no matter what I do, I should be able to at least quarantine it for that three years. Right. And oh no, my rep said, don't, don't do that. Jeff, you'll get yourself in trouble. You'll be back in a year. And it yeah. makes sense. I mean, I've seen what it does out here just for the time we've been here. It, it affects them quick. Mm -hmm. The only thing that lasts on my deck which uh, when it was brand new was I used the super paint from Sherwin Williams, the oil. It was an oil stain. Yeah. But I used the porch and patio enamel. I've had good success with that. We just did one last. There's pictures on mine that we did porch and patio. We went down with peel bond and put some porch and patio on there, which I love. And uh, it was actually super sunny that day. Super difficult to put on. I'm a, I'm going to call them up here soon. Once the cold weather stops and I'm going to go do a recheck on it and see, I'm, I'm interested and excited to see how, how it lasted knowing that, you know, again, most don't last out here because it's a pretty exposed deck and yeah. the approach to it wasn't so much grinded all the way down to wood it was simply to uh, encapsulate what was there do a little bit of maintenance on it you know as far as getting good adhesion but ultimately depending on the top coat to sustain it so it'll be cool to see that one yeah see i was i was uh, ready to coat mine again this spring and now they they switched it they no longer have the oil and they switched to one of these crazy hybrid yep crap things and you never know uh, what am I? How am I going to do my deck now? I got to strip the whole <laughs> damn thing off or something? I don't want to really do that. I actually it... started using some other products this year as well because, like you, you know, there's only so many out there, and I wanted to wanted to test some out. You know, some of the newer waterborns and some of the oils, and I, I've always used oils on my decks for the most part. And yeah, we'll see. You know, time is uh, time is of the essence on some of it, and if it needs a recoat, then it needs a recoat. You know, you're mm -hmm. never going to use that again. For sure. See, my deck, I did. Three, two years ago, I think it was about two years ago now. Still looks brand new. The fence I haven't done in four years, and the fence still looks beautiful. And it's a, that's a one coat product. You're not supposed to double coat it. it never right. Dries. That was new for me this year too with some of the oils. It says that on there. I'm like, what does this mean? You're like, yeah. strange. But I'll tell you what. When I did my fence, my fence looked dead. It looked dead. My beautiful brand new fence that I just had built looked awful after I put one right. coat. I, re I regretted putting the stain on. I was like. 
this was the stupidest idea I ever had. And we I had said, a customer you know, that we painted their house and they thought they'd have to redo their whole fence. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, do you want me to, to do your fence, you know, whenever the weather's good or whenever we can work it in after we do the house? And they thought, oh, no, we're just going to replace it. That's what they told me, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait for them to make that phone call to find out how expensive it is because they got a lot of fence. And so while we were there, of course, I showed them, you know, how you can rejuvenate some of that cedar and they said, oh man, it looks brand new again. And they saw some of the other cedar work I did in their house. And I'm like, yeah, just when you're ready, you know, long, same deal. As long as you maintain it and keep it looking nice, it can last quite a long, long time. A little maintenance yeah. and back to fresh. For sure. What I did with this one, because I didn't like the way it looked after one. And I was like, well, what's going to happen if I put two? What's the worst right. going to happen? It's going to peel? Well, guess what? I'm a painter. I'll pull up my scraper and I'll fix it. Smack the second one on. It took forever to dry. Let me tell it you. It doesn't dry. Wet. Right. It, it was wet like four days later. So I took my yeah, hose on a mist. Like I took my hose on a mister, and I took my little trusty Oscar broom and misted it down. I went like this, and I'll tell you, the next day it was dry. The fence still looks like it was just done. The deck <laughs> took a little bit more of a beating. Like I Soaked said, I did that one. Too. I Probably did that two years ago. But honestly, man, the fence—you put the hose on, it still repels the water. That's like the I best. just did it yesterday. That's the best. You know? Now, I wouldn't do a deck. With the double coat, I did mine, which is probably why it didn't last as long as a fence. And we walk on it, and we're pretty rough on it with a big dog and everything. But I wouldn't double it up on a client's deck. No way. It's kind of funky with some of the woodwork. You know, I've been enjoying it a lot more. And, you know, with the oils and with the stains at times, that there's only so far you can take it. And that's been something that's been kind of a learning experience for me, too, and more of an education as well for some of my customers. Is This is wood, and it's uh, organic in a way that you know we may not be able to do exactly what we need to do with that once we apply that stain like you said especially on the first coat sometimes you're like is this right or not sometimes it takes a little while to settle down too where you say oh this doesn't look all that great and then you know mm -hmm. give it a week to really settle in and all of a sudden it's like that's the way it's supposed to look because finally yeah. it cured out mm -hmm. right on let's uh let's talk about how social media might play a role in your business Social media has been uh, been great for me the past, especially moving through COVID too. That was kind of when I started to uh, do it a little bit more and start following a lot more guys on here and the paint family and everybody and see that uh, people were really pushing the pace. You know, I, I never really necessarily wanted to do that before as much as I do now, as far as really hit that, hit that level 10, you know, be able to achieve that sustainable where not every painter can do that, you know, and that's something that I always thought I was able to do, but never necessarily had those opportunities through some of the work we had. We, we did work, but none of it, I would say, was too specialty or too custom, per se, a lot of times. You always get to work on a door here or a door there, but taking some of those jobs that people turn away simply because they're scared of them um, and knowing how to do that and how to flip it and make money on it and make the process work to be able to be beautiful has been something that I've really uh, started to chase more with the social media because it wasn't uh, so hard of a learning experience when you can talk to guys who you see doing it day in and day out using products that they're standing behind that they're posting on instagram saying this is the best stuff in the world i recommend you guys try it and not saying it's going to work exactly as they did but you know being there to back it um has been something that i've seen and, and again it's just been a, a great opening for some of the newer coatings that are available for sure and what about on the client end of it client end of it people have seen us uh, we're starting to kind of overlap some of it with Facebook and Instagram a little bit. It's uh, been a chase for me as far as getting some of that stuff up there. Like the past six to eight months, I haven't really posted a ton lately. Um, got a bunch of stuff on the phone that I've been going through, but 
you know, I want to post something that, that, that makes sense and isn't just slapping pictures up there and really will benefit the cause of posting something. So uh, it's definitely a, a tool to be used with a portfolio and people looking. I've had somebody look at just my pictures and saw that we did doors. And I've heard other painters say it too, where people will go up to them and say, oh, I didn't know you do that. Even though you sit here and tell them, hey, we do everything as far as coding related, let us know, or we can, you know, let you know somebody else who can. Sometimes they won't even say anything to you, but then they'll see a picture you might've put up and said, oh, I didn't realize you did that too. Yeah, right on. All right, tell me what do you feel has been your biggest success this far? So my biggest success I think was just uh, weathering the storm for the past kind of 10 years with life, uh, having, a, having a kid, my son now is seven, um, kind of transitioning out of, uh, again, more or less working for other people to really ultimately take the plunge to say, I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm going to do it for myself and never look back. I kind of made a vow to myself that said that if I'm going to do it, I want to uh, process forward. And again, never have to ask somebody, hey, to give me a job. Um, and so that's been something I've been able to do. It definitely hasn't been an easy road, especially with COVID this past year, which uh, turned me up on my head a little bit. But uh, surviving through that and maintaining stability and having a shop to work in now which again is something that really makes me feel like, you know, we kind of put our, our feet in concrete a little bit, having a, having an actual space that is the businesses. Um, it is great. Nicely said, right on. And what, do you have any big plans for the near future? So big plans, we're just gearing up, like I said, to be able to uh, more or less put that front and focal for people as far as the, uh, the quality of work that we're able to sustain. Um, kind of unloading some marketing materials, I guess you could say over the next year here to, to, to try to chase some of those, those better jobs or jobs that we'd rather be doing um, instead of just your average, you know, call for a, painting a wall. Mm -hmm. Did, I don't know. I don't, sorry, man. My mind is like just gone, just gone. It's pretty late for me and it's been a long day. Did we talk about uh, the market in your area? Like how you market? A little bit, I think maybe, but uh, like I said, there's new real estate out here. Uh, lots of houses being built, um, lots of homes that were built four or five years ago that are needing work. A lot of our work this past year was people that were either moving into a home that was about four or five years old or purchased a home four or five years old that uh, needed some work or wanted to change or just wasn't happy with it. Uh, we had one that was built by a big home builder out here. And uh, it's sad to see that, you know, they literally do a lot of blow and goes and a lot of people talk about it. But to see some of that, then the customer doesn't know, you know, they think they're buying an upgraded uh, kitchen set or an upgraded, you know, paint job on the home. And it's just, you can't even do your best on it to make it look good sometimes. So uh, being able to provide that for them to be able to help them with that's been nice. Right on. All right. We have a few more questions before we jump into the viewer questions, which is the, the fun, fun part. part. First, first yeah. let's talk about your favorite brush. Do you have a favorite brush? So my favorite brush after uh, using basically, you know, the standard uh, run of the mill painter's brush, it's sure when, you know, buying the contractor's ones and beating the crap out of them. Um, never really cared much. I never used to really deal with brushes. We used to get what you need, get it done a couple, you know, get a cutting brush for cutting in and do that. Again, with social media, seeing that there are other fun ways, other better ways. Sometimes that brush doesn't work good with that paint, you know, just slip into a different brush. All of a sudden you're like, dang, this paint is awesome. You know, it was simply a brush change has been uh, an enlightening experience. But uh, everybody talks about the Picasso. That's been a nice one for bread and butter, of course. I didn't know for a long time that they had two different ones, the firm and the regular. Uh, I just found that out like two months ago. Um, 
So I, I had just the regular and I'd never seen the firm. I heard a lot of people saying how firm it was. And all of a sudden I got the firm one and I'm like, oh, okay, now I see there's a difference between the two, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. but my favorite brush right now, I actually don't have, I, I wish I had one to show you, but I found out after, uh, I like anything oval, holds a lot of paint. I like the two and a half ovals. That's just, for me, that's a perfect combo. I feel like they can hold as much paint as any three inch brush and even more at that rate, depending on. Um, so I've really started to use the ovals and uh, recently used some of the Chinex, some of the Coronas and really liked those, but said to myself, man, I wish these things came in an oval. So I started doing a little research on uh, Chinex ovals and there's not too many out there. Uh, Wooster makes one called an FPP semi-oval and I had one um, and I tried to order a few more, but uh, couldn't get any. I actually gave it away to the guy who I told you I'm doing work with because he liked the Chinex too, but I just ordered a, a case of them. And I guess they're, they're FTP Wooster semi-oval Chinex brush. Good all around. They have longer bristles than other ones too. Uh, so they got a really nice point on them and hold a ton of paint and they just feel really good in the hand. They've got a piece on the, on the front of it where if you're cutting in, you can kind of put your fingers there and kind of hold it a little closer and really okay. kind of like how we lean the brush on our edge. You can really put mm -hmm. your hands there. When you first see the brush, it's actually really big and almost different looking, right? Like you look at it and you're like, is that bigger? And comparing it to another brush, it's got a longer handle. It's a little bit heavier, but I feel like all around, it's just a better brush to, you know, whip around and get some paint on the walls. I wouldn't use it for everything, but as far as regular standard walls and ceilings and cutting in and stuff like that, you know, average work, they're great. Clean up beautiful. Yeah. I love oval brushes. I mean, I can yep. pretty much use any kind of brush, but oval is, is my go-to as well for the most part. For sure. Once I used one, there's no turning back. I heard, I was talking to one of the guys at Sherwin one time and he goes, oh yeah, man. He goes, I got this old timer that's been talking about it forever and won't buy anything else and never really thought anything of it, you know, until I got my first one. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, again, if you know how to paint, why not paint more? Why not be able to do, you know, a whole door frame with one pole? The first time I tried one of the Purdy XLs, I was again, just like, wow, this thing holds some paint and, you know, you can put some stuff on the wall. Not the greatest brush, but it holds a lot more than your standard brush. Mm -hmm. Right on. What about some hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not uh, painting or making signs or wrapping vehicles or doing murals down hallways in office buildings? So I'm one of those guys that, you know, turns my hobbies into uh, money, basically a way to produce the hobby without having to do the hobby. Uh, a lot of things are expensive. And one of the, one of the hobbies I have is model boats and uh, doesn't get me away from the painting and decals necessarily. Cause I, I do that stuff as well. Uh, yeah. I build and race model boats. We make decals for them. Uh, some of the boats that I build are full scale boats, actual of real replicas of hydroplanes, and we have to paint them to look exactly like the real boats to race them. And so that's been a fun, again, spinoff as far as that goes for me. That, that's, I haven't done it very much lately. Uh, I still have a bunch around my shop. I got about six boats sitting here just waiting to hit the water. Um, so nice. Hanging out with my son, building some Legos, playing a little Switch lately. You know, my hobby would right be just having fun with my son. How fast do these boats go? So some of them go anywhere from 50 miles an hour up to about 90, depending mm -hmm. on. They're anywhere from about two feet up to some guys have boats over four plus feet. The ones I have are about 30 inches and my average boat goes about 45. And then I have a couple faster ones that'll go about 75. Right on. And do you sell these things too? I don't so really do, sell the boats necessarily. Do money, right? I do have stickers that I sell. So kind of another spinoff as well of our company. I, I sell stickers and I've been doing it for a long time uh, all across the world. People call me and uh, get a hold of me to make them stickers for their boats and stuff. And uh, you can see here, here's a, one of them, a windshield that I printed. Uh, 
never would have thought this would be my biggest seller ticket item, but I've sold more windshields than any other sticker in the world. And it's uh, same thing as painting. Sometimes we don't know what's going to fall in our lap, you know, as far as the best product you're doing. You just got to make it work. That's it, eh? Right on. All right. And let's go, before we go to the viewer questions, some advice that you have for your fellow painters out there. So I think some advice would be, uh, you know, push your limits, but don't go above your head. You know, don't go, don't go too far outside your comfort zone unless you have uh, something to fall back on with a little, a little bit of a safety net or maybe a customer who doesn't mind you uh, playing around on their stuff uh, a little bit and isn't, you know, expecting that perfect outcome, but willing to uh, let you test your skills. That floor I just did was a prime example. The uh, customer believes in me and my, my abilities to do what I do even more so than myself and wanted me to do it. And she said she couldn't get anybody else to do it. And I said, well, heck with it. Again, that's something that uh, is something for me to try to achieve and test myself and see if I can get a beautiful end result. And I surprised myself with it. And, you know, uh, she's elated. So job well done and, and success there. Right on. Now, what was that floor exactly for anyone who didn't see it? So I did an end. So originally the job started, I did the kitchen, which I haven't posted pictures of. I posted uh, pictures of her front door and her barn door that I did. I did a restain on a standard, uh, uh, you know, builder grade barn door. We stained it and clear coated it. I did her front door, which was a 40 plus year old door that I completely stripped down to the bone and, you know, redid completely. And then after that, she saw that I did that stuff so good and said, hey, you know, do you want to mess with my floor? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really mess with floors. I don't mind doing some woodwork on walls. And, you know, I've done entryways, but nothing to the grand scale of her dining room. And not that it was massive, but big enough to be a little bit outside my comfort zone. But she knew that she, she had the confidence in me and the, the uh, tools and coatings that I was using for the, for the doors I had confidence in. I've been using old masters gel stains and a lot of their polys and stuff and had all the uh, you know confidence in the coating for me was the, the real the real feat in it was knowing that at least if I have a great coating I can get the best result possible out of it and so she had an uh, entryway was built out of one style wood going into the kitchen is another style wood it was a, a light pine I believe it was and she hated the fact that it was two-tone and it just took your eye away from everything because it's this yellow nasty color compared to the rest of the woodwork in the home mm -hmm. and so we stained it to match the existing wood where now it all flows together and you know has a consistent uh feel right on and it turned out she was happy yeah man she was uh, elated it was funny because i told her when she first asked me about the floor i said hey you know you're gonna want me to do your wood panels they're not horrible they're in pretty good shape but they show you know their life their age and again it's a 40 i think year old home she said or something like that and uh as soon as i was done with the floor she goes jeff you were right i, I need you to do my walls now so that's one of our next uh, projects is going to be to redo her walls which will be a good one too so right on all right well let's go out to uh the viewer questions we're going to start with dazzling dave out there in mississauga just west of good old mr hammer there you go I have a nickname for him, but I can't say it because it's oh. got some, some bad words in it. So uh, we'll leave that one alone. All right. Dave wants to know, what is the nicest thing a client has ever done for you? So I guess the nicest thing would just be them to, uh, you know, we're, we're a firm believer in even letting us in the front door is a nice thing. You know, I don't let any just anybody in my home. Um, first and foremost, we let people know that, you know, by them letting us in, in their home, we, we appreciate that and respect that. So that starts beginning of the process for us and we become family with a lot of our people you know they meet my son or they want to meet my son sometimes which is kind of cool and 
you know, of course, people say to separate personal and business, but a lot of people uh, that we do work for tell me, uh, you know, you're, you're my second son and you're family to me and I'd love to meet the rest of your family. And so we end up kind of getting a bond and some of them have given us gifts over the years for Christmas, you know, nothing crazy, but just even doing anything outside of the job has been, uh, has been a really cool experience. Right on. Um, have you ever gotten any gifts? Like what's a, what's, what do you, so the lady we just received. did the floor for, you know, talking to her again, she's, you know, we're sitting there in people's home and I, you know, we got to talk sometimes with these people. We're not, I'm not just one of those guys that's going to say, leave me alone. That's not, that's not the game. Sure. So we talk about yeah. our family. We talk about our friends and she learns about me and she knew my son was, you know, about seven and kind of learning to read. And so she just uh, enrolled him in a year's long worth of, uh, you know, a reading app, which was really cool. You know, not, I didn't, oh, sweet. didn't thank ask you. her for it. She just wanted to do that for us as a little thank you. And, we all, you know, a tip's a tip. I'll take it, whether it be a dollar yeah. or a thousand dollars or whatever. That wasn't something I was expecting. So thank you. Smile's good enough. For sure. Right on. Yeah. You know what? That That's, uh, I've had some crazy experiences with, with some clients. I mean, you know, when they appreciate something, some people right. go above and beyond like what you would ever expect. You know, we did, uh, we got a really nice area. There's a lot of nice areas here in Toronto, but there's a pretty popular one, very expensive area. Um, we were there for a couple months, but he had a Austin Martin DB9 convertible was his everyday car. He's a very high end nice. lawyer, very high end lawyer. And in the back, his driveway went right down the back of his house. And in the back, he had the original H1 Hummer sitting there. Oh, very the cool. Thing, the, the thing hadn't moved since we mm -hmm. were there and we were there about two months. So, you know, I said to him, I say, Hey, I said, the Hummer hasn't moved the whole time we've been here. He's like, ah, that's my winter vehicle. We're in the middle of summer. And I said, I said, you know, a winter vehicle. I said, hey, you know these things. Vehicles have to drive, man. The wheels have yeah. to turn. The yeah, engine's got to turn. He looks at me and says, Chris, you know I'm a pretty smart guy, right? I said, I can imagine, yeah. He says, he throws me the keys. He says, take it. I said, hey, you know I'm not a stupid guy, right? I might not be as smart as you, but I ain't that stupid. <laughs> I'm I not going to be responsible for that. <laughs> I threw it back to him and he said to me, he says, no, no, he threw it back to me. He says, listen, you have to take this truck, but there's three rules. You have to push over a tree, at least this big. You have to go off roading and you have to bring it back. Long story short, I had it for three weeks. Don't give me a Hummer. I know where all the little off-roading tracks are outside the city. So I had the nice. time of my life. I had the That's time great. of my life. This same dude, I went... Uh, brought the truck back and everything like I, I was driving his truck to his house to work on it you know i'm using his truck now all my right. tools and everything are there so i'm not putting my work shit in there yeah but he is driving and this is going back about eight eight years ago or so he was driving one of my really old caravans with my painting and this is a took the work took the work van from you so yeah. literally swapped cars yes so he had the austin db9 but he also had some people in from vancouver Right. So I put my middle bench seat back in so that he could tour because Austin Martin only had the two seats. So he That's needed to either take the Hummer or my van. So here's this multi-million dollar man driving around. I think the van was probably about 14 years old at that mm -hmm. time, you know, but this same dude, he was amazing. That guy was so good. I went to his house one day just to wrap up some outside stuff. And as soon as I got there, it started drizzling. So I said, you know, I said, I'm not going to bother with this. I said, uh, I'll come back tomorrow. If it's not raining, I'll finish it up. Okay, Chris. He says, well, what are you going to do today? I said, I'm not going to do too much. I'm going to go home. He says, well, if you want, he says, come on in. He says, if you want to give me a hand, he says, I'll, I'll pay you for the day. No problem. 
I said, sure. So we go in and I said, what do you want to do? He says, I want this in the, he has a bin in the driveway, a big garbage disposal bin, right? He says, I want this in the bin. This is the bin, this is the bin, that in the bin. What in the bin? We're talking brand new furniture, dude. We're talking a mattress, very expensive mattress, um, still in the wrapper. Had to go to the third floor, but to get to the third floor, the ceiling sloped and the mattress and box spring couldn't go. Oh, and the man. Elevator, it wasn't going to the third floor. It, it was wasn't working. On the, it wouldn't get to the third floor. He didn't know why. It was a really old house, renovated, but the elevator was old. So he said he wants that. I got a poker table. Zambrano, exotic Zambrano wood. It had six chairs. The leather man what must have been about this thick. That shit was thousands of dollars. I turned that one over because I had no space for it, right? Right. So I had to sell it. So I sold that for three G's like a couple days later. Um he gave me some bed frames, brand new. I dropped some off to my friends, my families. I had TVs at home. He gave me two TVs. I gave them to my buddies. So much stuff. I went and rented a van, a, a cube van, to take away the stuff. To take away his trash from the... <laughs> this is brand from new stuff. From the garage sale he didn't have. Listen, you or me, you or I, will take this stuff back to the store if we don't want it. No, not the rich people. In the bin it goes. In the bin it goes. So, man, I'll tell you. That was a great day. Sometimes it's just really easier, you know? So good. So good. So, you know, but that just, the guy appreciated what we did. I mean, I, I had to ask him. I'm like, dude, I, I keep going to say his name. I don't want to say his name. I said, dude, really? You want that stuff in the bin? And I didn't want to offend him. So I asked him. I said, listen, do you mind if I go to rent a truck? Because I will take this stuff. What I can't use, I will find a home for it. Right. Says, for I'll sure. Do that. No problem. So I did. I did. And that was, that was a good thing. It was a good thing. Anyways, you know what? I see uh, Danny. Danny's back. Danny likes to come and go. So while Danny is here, I got a, I got a question for you from Danny. What do you get when you mix an elephant and a rhino? Man. Um, I don't know. Elephino, man. Huh? I said, I don't know. Elephino. <laughs> Elephino? Yeah, hell if I know. Yep. You knew the answer. No, hell if I know. <laughs> hell if I know. Well, that's correct, sir. All, All right. right. Well, I'm gonna... million dollar win. Yeah, Danny. You what do I win there, the Danny? I think Danny is going to get you. Uh... What's that spray company that's out your way, Danny? You're going to win a new spray gun from Danny. Oh, I, I'm a in. Loomer. 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 Like cool. Lemmer. There we go. There it uh, is. Smartway. Smartway is a local guy here in Toronto, and he wants to know, did you ever offer a, slow, a, a slightly lower rate to a multiple repeat client? Yeah, again, go back to that floor job. That's one that we've kind of been encompassing uh, because we've been, had the chance and opportunity to be able to talk about the next phases of work. It wasn't just one job that was brought up to us at the time, um, but I'm the type of guy who isn't going to necessarily contract for all the work at once you know it is coming in phases and pieces and so we knew we'd be doing some of this down the road um and didn't have to just do a single price and walk away from it on that i knew i'd be able to uh, be in their home and have that access and that relationship that would be able to bode well for uh being able to successfully do the work i mean half the battle sometimes is just getting in some of these people's homes and getting access and getting them to move stuff out of the way where when they're looking out for your best interest and not wanting you to leave because it might be uh, icy outside and want you to, you know, skip work early and 
have their job delayed because they're looking out for the best of you, you can't put a price tag on some of that. So you got to give them back a little bit of thank you as well and say, hey, you know, again, I appreciate your confidence. I appreciate your extra work and let's keep on going. You want me to do your whole entire house uh, before the next few years I'm in? Mm -hmm. Right on. I, I have, you know, my struggle is my repeat, my repeat clients like from 20 years ago when my prices were probably 60% yeah. cheaper than they are now. You know, those are the ones I struggle with. Those are the ones I struggle with because those ones you're going to go in there with a cheap price off the bat or, and, the you know, I'm not even this. I don't even know if they necessarily expect that as much as I feel that. Right. You know, it's almost like uh, when you have a relationship with someone for 20 years, you know, it's, it's almost like they're family or friends. You know, you got to give them that family friend discount. Those are the ones I struggle on. I, I don't lose my shirt on them, but I don't make what I should. Well, back to, uh, you know, growing up with my dad and his sales tactics. And, you know, one thing I think to this day is, you know, a lot of customers are, they're happy to just feel like they've got part of that sale, you know, and a big thing in the industry is a little bit of that haggling, swaggling, making people feel like they're getting a discount when they're not. I never really wanted to be that guy, but I wanted to be able to provide for them something that was an attainable price. And so I always try to be, uh, I guess, fair. And uh, but still, like they say, make sure you're making your money on it. So I don't want to be the cheap guy. I don't want to be the expensive guy. But when I know we can go across the board and just give you solid pricing for everything, we don't have to be too high here or too high there. We can just know that the overlap is going to be there. Then why why be picky? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go to this guy talking right there in the chat. Paint finisher, James out of Mississauga, west of me again. Other than the brush off show, what keeps you up at night? My son, he stays up late. He's never slept great. Uh, getting him to bed is just a task every day. Uh, but I'm usually a late night kind of guy as well. I'm not much of a morning goer, so it's not the end of the world. But, uh, you know, staying awake, also doing work, uh, hanging out with him and just being a night owl. It's pretty normal for me. So how, how you said he's what, seven? Yeah, he's seven. Yeah, he goes to bed. Yeah. You know, anywhere usually about one o'clock, one thirty. We can't get him to bed any sooner. He'll sit there for oh, two wow. hours to He'll just sit there so we gotta we gotta wear him out and he's got no uh, no off button so it's ever since he was born that's the way it was and so we've been trying to get him to bed uh, the whole time but inevitably you can't fight something you know you just gotta kind of go with it so we can moan and groan and complain all we want but he's still there <laughs> so let's hang out and, and is he up early too yeah, he gets up mediocre early. Sometimes he does. But when he's up, same deal, he's ready to go immediately. So if it is early, it's a tough day because he was up late and now he's ready to go 100%. And no, there's no buffer there. It's uh, I'm up, I'm going 100, you know. There it is, eh? All right, let's head out, uh, out your way. Two coats from Washington State, just outside of Seattle. Was there a time when you were worried about your decision to start up on your own? Every day, you know, it's a, uh, it's a task. Like I said, I, I more or less made a promise and a goal for myself to not have to uh, turn back. And so that's something I think about often. And uh, it, it's every day you got to think about it. If you're not, your expectations are that tomorrow's going to be the same as today. Then uh, I think COVID showed us all that, that uh, tomorrow's not necessarily a guarantee. Okay. Uh, Josh from Two Coats also wants to know, have you ever used your skill as a painter and transferred them into art? And if so, how? Yeah. So again, you know, define, uh, defining art. Uh, we all have uh, different, you know, I guess, definitions for what art might be. Uh, I've painted stuff, you know, murals, things like that. I don't do it as much as I used to as a kid. I say that uh, 
getting into the production world has taken away some of my artistry, even in the sign world, starting to make some signs took me away from a little bit of the graphics abilities that I once had as far as being creative, but just painting things, changing colors. Uh, in my opinion, my art is my work, you know, changing somebody's house from a drab, nasty green color to a bright and bold <laughs> blue. Is, that's my art, man. That's it's, it's I enjoy it. And people often, you know, joke around with me and say, you know, you're a modern day Michelangelo or this or that. But that's it is that's your canvas. You've got your canvas for the day. It may not be what uh, the normal people consider as an artist, but no doubt about it. We still got a brush. We're still using a, a medium and uh, a thing to attain one thing from another. So every day that uh, it spans over into my work. And that's, again, what I enjoy about it. Right on. All right. Head out to uh, Wales, the painter man, Matt, uh, otherwise known as the Welsh Rock. Has being on IG made any differences to your painting business or given you any new ideas on how to approach new work? 100%. There's things that I never would have, uh, again, tried to do. Uh, there, one of my buddies jumped up, Mike. He helped us out with a lot of the older jobs we did in building some of these companies. Uh, he's been through it with me thick and thin, and one of those guys that's just willing to, to grind it and learn. And uh, I never am going to, again, go off outside of my realm for people, but having that ability to really be confident in every step of the way and see that that is something that other people are doing. It's not, not something crazy. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I may not do it exactly their way because we all do things different, but it's definitely shown me better ways to do things. And if I don't uh, incorporate that into my day-to-day -day tasks and I'm just a moron, why am I sitting here on there watching people, you know, and it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. We talk about that all the time, how many, you know, small things that I've changed just from watching other guys. Yeah, again, you know, I didn't ever have, you know, these maybe bigger, larger dreams. You know, I knew that painting's one of those things that when, like a lot of us know, when you're a painter, it doesn't matter where you are. You can pick up a brush and go work for somebody. You may not be making a ton, but depends on where you want to take it. If you're just the guy that's doing the cutting in, you're going to get paid to cut in. If you're the guy that's slinging the roller, go out there and sling the roller. But, but being able to, uh, use that to your advantage and again not have to worry has been something mm -hmm. that over the years has been great i i never had to fall on it but always knew that i could there's plenty of painting companies out there needing somebody to do something so. oh for sure for sure the uh, the ads out there are full of painting jobs full of them all right let's go out to uh, new york state todd from fox painting being painters we have all made mistakes and have learned from them what is one mistake that you have made and how have you learned from it? Uh, we all don't want to, we all talk about waiting for paint to dry and rushing things. And I think my biggest mistake most of the times is just being in a rush. Uh, I don't know that I've really learned from it per se. Sometimes we, we want things to go faster and unfortunately some coatings don't dry. And that moment you uh, touch it or go past it or brush it or maybe pull the plastic a little early and have something stick to it. So I try to try to slow down lately. It's one thing I'm working on is just uh, letting the process roll and not trying to rush it or let somebody else rush it. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, Pedro from Steady Line Painting in Texas. At what age did you start painting and what was your starting wage? Can't remember the exact age I started to you know paint per se, but I remember my dad used to pay us around 100 bucks a day when we helped out his people and uh, doing what we were doing around the house. And like I said, painting his houses. And even then I knew I wasn't uh, maybe getting paid as much as I should have been for painting his entire house, but you, you gotta be in the trenches. You gotta be willing to do the work to uh, have the expectations that you're gonna be able to do something more. So I didn't mind putting in the time. John says, uh... 
homeowners don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Four hours. You know I bring I bring a fan with me. We just painted. Yeah, it and out. John, what paint takes four hours to to dry? I thought in California it says on no there. It's all don't you read data sheets? Four hours between coats, buddy. Come on. Oh, four hours between coats, but it's. I don't ever wait four hours. Do you wait four hours? No. So Never. this is the, with last, like I said, with the guy I've been working with lately, we literally have been chasing enough drops and enough paint drying and enough setup. We we had fans blowing all the way through so that we can get the paint to dry fast enough so we don't have to leave. Yeah. So put a fan on it. <clears throat> when I did uh, my living room Drink there the a couple of weeks ago, I used the, um, what the hell was it? The uh, Emerald Designer Edition. Mm -hmm. okay. I painted I, I moved my accent wall from one wall to another and then I painted light color then I decided make it all dark so I actually double coated um, mm -hmm. this light color and I had the air mover in between coats 10 minutes dude 10 minutes yeah. in between coats completely dry ready to go everything was beautiful it's and been cool to uh, work with a couple of different products lately and see how quick they flash off or what the you know what the time is on them it's crazy within the hour I went two coats of this light color, this beigey kind of color, to a blue. I had three coats on within the hour, dried, ready to go. And then I yep. doubled up that blue after. But uh, typically, I never wait four hours. There, you know, there's some paints where you're not going to have a choice. You know, I had a job I was working on uh, last fall that the paint didn't want to dry, but I realized it was uh, a lot colder than I thought it was. And I had to wait for that paint to dry because I couldn't even go over it even after I painted one wall. I went and painted the one wall and then I went back over it because I saw a couple spots, you know, that just didn't look all that great. And I was just going to go a crosshatch pattern on it again and literally took off the paint off the wall where there was no paint where my roller went again. And I'm like, whoa, I've never had this happen before, but uh, that was an interesting experience. So I had to just let it sit and it, it dripped and it fell and we had to, you know, grind out the sags and stuff. But uh, we ended up chasing a heater around that day. So again, if you need, where there's a will, there's a way. You might have to bring a space heater in if they don't got the furnace going, but uh, you can make it dry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, we're going out to, uh, it seems like the Canada, Canadian question time here. I'm gonna go out to Marlo, Nico Interiors, just west of me in Burlington. Who is your hero? Uh, I would say my hero right now, honestly, is my son. He's such a great person and uh, makes me out to be a better person. Uh, makes me want to do better for him and better for myself and better for my family every day. And I think ultimately that's what a hero should do for you is uh, make you just try to be a better person and uh, give you, give you something to chase after. Mm -hmm. I'm going to answer a question here. Three coats in one hour. Yes. I did one wall in three coats in one hour, two colors, one hour, very small wall, but it's not the point of how small the wall is. The point well, how, is how fast, how many mil how were fast you put, the paint dried. How many mil were you putting on there? That's another thing a lot of people well, don't talk about. A, I was using a 13 mil roller. I mean, I put it up on a story. No, not on a story, on IGTV or whatever the hell it was. It was in fast motion. You'll see the wall. It's a small wall. But the, the thing was, it was the dry time in between coats. Yeah. Right? Like I said, an air mover, man, that's my favorite tool. Well, not my favorite, but it's definitely helps out they're great majorly. i never i never really even again you know you don't have to use one you never thought about it but Dude, why I, not I, when i wash my floors i use my my air mover to dry yeah. them it's 30 seconds my whole floor is dry it, there's a big difference between circulating air and stagnant air and that's again oh. something i've learned that recently as well you just keep that air flowing in that room and it, it 
it works. Yeah, actually, Marlo, I hope you picked up one of those. Marlo came to one of my jobs and he tried to buy one of my hair movers right from me. I was like, dude, go to Lowe's and pick one up, man. You wanted to buy my hair mover right out of my, my truck. Yeah, I got one recently for, uh, you know, just having to, to help keep some of the stink out and blow clean air in places and with the cabinet jobs, be able to have that extra fresh air coming in or like the floor we did, we left it at the house, you know, pulling out some of those fumes even after. So they're great. I Again, another tool that I've never even seen used a lot it's like it's the basics just use it just put it yeah. out and let it blow and keep that air clean yeah right on well marlo if they were sold out come on come on over i'll get you one i have 10 of them in the shop all right marlo also wants to know what would you change about yourself if you could what would i change i probably wouldn't be so hard on myself all the time uh oftentimes i you know probably make mistakes trying to fix something that probably didn't need to be fixed. Again, pushing it a little bit, taking it a little too far, not being satisfied with the result that's more than good enough at times and making a mistake in that sense. That's one thing that I try not to be uh, a little easier on myself, a little, little more to just leave it up to ultimately the people that are paying sometimes as well too in the job itself. You know, you can't, uh, you can't maintain perfection if they're not really paying you for it. What's your favorite thing about your career? My favorite thing about my career is, I guess, the versatility. Like I said, I've never been somebody who, I, who wanted to stay stagnant. I've always been somebody who's liked the, uh, the variations and a little bit of a deviation whenever possible. Don't get me wrong, uh, you know, getting older now has made me realize as well that consistency needs to be there in some fashion too. But being able to jump out from doing interiors to exteriors back to kitchens at times, it, uh, it's like walking away from a job sometimes when you're, you're frustrated at it, pissed off at it and saying, you know, I can't, I can't get it right. And then you just take a step away for lunch and you come back and all of a sudden you did it perfectly. And you're like, well, why couldn't I have done that before? Uh, similar kind of thing, you know? Mm, right on. Okay. What else does Marlo have here? What really makes you angry? What makes me angry? Uh, I guess just uh, when, you know, you have the expectation sometimes that some of these things are going to work out in, in your, in your way. Uh, as far as some of these codings, you know, some of these applications or when somebody says it's going to do something and then you're sitting there fighting something that they're telling you, I'm not sure why that's not doing it. You know, we've, uh, we've all had it happen in certain, certain probably types of paint we used or certain applications where we were confident in our skills and did it. And you're like, okay, it wasn't quite the result you wanted, but at the same time, it is a learning experience, but it definitely uh, frustrates me a bit because it uh, changes, the, it changes it all around from the expectations. So you got to be ready mm -hmm. for it, but it's not something that I, that I could say I'm, it makes me happy. Right. <laughs> That's it, eh? Okay. Let's head out to uh, Chris Jackson from Honeycomb painting out there in Virginia. And Chris would like to know, what do you do if a client tries to stiff you? In our system, we try to implement one that doesn't let that happen. We've had a couple people who have uh, been a little crazy or, uh, you know, there's always those crazies out there, right? It doesn't matter how many or you may not have gotten one yet, but one day down the road, if you keep doing it, you're, you're going to get one. Kind of like they say with a motorcycle, it's not a matter of when you crash, but if, or, you know, exactly like that, right? Not if, when. And so mm -hmm. I've come across a couple, um, but in our process, basically, we get paid half up front. Then we get paid another half of the half at the three quarter mark. 
And for us, that really helps us out to have a kind of a gauge to we know if the customer's happy, hopefully if they're giving us that secondary check. And we're never doing work that we're not paid for. So we get products up front most times and then half the job. As soon as we get to the halfway mark and it's time to do more work, simply are you happy with our work? Let's move forward. You hope that that's going to work out. But sometimes you find yourself going over that threshold, maybe doing 75% of the work and then them kind of pulling reins a little bit. We've had a few people over time that have, been frustrated with some of the uh we had one guy one time that was mad at me because i tried to charge him for a couple buckets and brushes because he changed his whole thing we didn't have enough buckets and brushes to do his stuff we didn't come to do three colors we didn't charge him extra but he got pissed off that i was trying to charge him for buckets and wanted to pull the whole thing out from underneath me just for some buckets it's like well, i don't know what switches people i think you said it a little bit ago too some of these people are fine along all of a sudden they switch to the other side so that's why I've tried to implement that system and really make sure we focus it because any of the times we haven't done those deposits or those halfway checks, those are the times where you find yourself getting uh, getting in a situation you can't really avoid. Yeah, I'm just reading some of the comments here and uh, I see Fox painting, he's going to pull a water gun on somebody. I see yeah. John, he's going to put sugar in the gas tank and I, the other ones I can't read anymore. At least I got some uh, some uh, you know muscle <laughs> for when a problem goes by. But yeah, like I said, I... I, I've only had a couple of those with a few people. We've had a, maybe a, a handful of jobs over, you know, the 20 years that I've been doing this that I've, I've had to walk away from. One was with my dad and he called her his uh, ex-wife at the time. And that was, a, that was a pretty bad situation. But we, we did more than we needed to on that job to feel confident that we did what we needed to do. And we didn't care about the rest. You know, we don't need your money. We don't want your money. If it's going to be this much of a chase for it, then have a nice day. You know, we did what we did and move on. <laughs> did you say your dad called the client? Yeah. His ex-wife? Yeah, my dad, he's, he's, a, he's a character. He's got, he's, he's got a certain way about it. And yeah, he, it, it came down to it. And this was, it was funny because this was like when cell phones first kind of started to come to be. And we knew we just needed to, just in case, take a bunch of pictures. And so it was the first house I can really remember documenting you know what we'd done and how far we'd gotten on the job to make sure that if she did complain that at least we had something to show you know what we'd been dealing with and she was crazy man we went to her house to paint and she said oh i've got a little bungalow you know my kids are staying in the back that we want to freshen up and you know paint or whatnot and you know come on this day well we get there and they're moving stuff out and they're moving the you know washer and dryer away and there's lint and dead mice back there and she thought we were just going to start painting and we're like your kitchen's disgusting. It's got stuff everywhere. And right here in our contract, it says, you know, you need to have a clean space for us to work. Now, we didn't actually have that conversation with you, but kind of uh, expected that we're not going to deep clean your whole house. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that it was going to be this way. And we, we told her we were going to leave and come back the next day. That's kind of when it kind of started. You know, they say you find out real quick with some of these people. And we said, no, we're just going to leave and come back. And she wasn't the happiest about it. And that kind of, I think, set the stage. But him and her never really got along at that moment. Yeah, he, he told her you're as bad as my ex-wife. And that was it. That was, <laughs> it was done. You don't need to go any further. Well, that's pretty wild. All right. Uh, John from Paint School. He wants to know, what's the longest you've ever worked on a project? Say the longest I worked on a project was uh, in Santa Monica. We were working on a big building uh, called Cow's End. Uh, which is right kind of in Venice Beach. It's uh, one of the tallest buildings out there. Um, the owner uh, actually built it himself with his, with his hands back in, I believe, the 70s. It was or late 60s. I don't know the exact date. But uh, we were there for probably about three and a half weeks on that one, me and my dad, um, painting it and kind of taking in the sights. And uh, 
eating his food. He actually has a deli. They have a deli in the bottom and they have a Wi-Fi bar. And then up top in his house where he lives is actually like a, you know, magazine home where it's just completely custom and stuff. And he'd never painted the building before. And it was brown and he wanted us to paint it black because obviously his name is Cow's End. And they've got a lot of cow stuff there and it's black and white. And he had green tile out front and the building was brown. And uh, so we painted it black and, and changed the thing completely. And uh, it was a crazy one. But yeah, that would be the longest I've been there. All right. And where do you see yourself this time next year? This time next year, hopefully uh, sitting a little more uh, consistent than we did this past year, uh, having some stability as far as uh, month to month. Um, like I said, we kind of just been kind of winging it a little bit, not really chasing a goal per se, more or less just staying busy. And I don't want to just stay busy this year. I want to really be, uh, be happy with the jobs we took and be, be, be able to have show pieces this year. So that's one of my goals this year, as far as next year is to just be, uh, be, be providing those, uh, better jobs. Okay. All right. Painter Ron, also out in Burlington, just west of Toronto. He wants to know. What lessons have you learned in building your business, both success and failures? Well, success and failures, I guess just, uh, you know, grinding works. Grinding can be successful, but it's also a failure in itself because it doesn't uh, set you up for, for a better day tomorrow necessarily when you're just grinding away the work and slapping paint on a wall and staying busy and making sure you're not staying still. Um, staying stagnant sometimes or going slow to go fast. There's something to be said about that. And I didn't always understand that and appreciate that in life, but uh, I'm coming to understand really what that means. So hopefully we can help to kind of transfer that over to things and, and grow on that. Okay. And he also wants to know uh, who has been your greatest influence? My greatest influence, uh, I guess I could lean back on both of my parents, my dad, unfortunate to say, but uh, they both had their, I guess, uh, confliction and issues through their own lives. And, and whether it be a great influence or a bad one, they both provided a lot for me, but uh, showing me, opening my eyes to what I wanted for myself and not necessarily relying on others, um, being willing to chase it, some of those things, those are things that they ingrained in me as a kid was just, you know, tomorrow can be there as long as you're willing to get up and fight for it, so. 100%. 100%. Okay, uh, Trinity Lady Club UK wants to know, what inspired your business name? So our business name, well, uh, Castle, obviously, your home is your castle. Um, and that's something that we uh, completely flourish, you know, and basically uh, bring to the attention again of all of our clients is their home is their castle. We're going to treat it the same as we would our own, if not better. Um, that's Again, they're opening the door for us. So we want them to understand that that is something, you know, you don't just open the drawbridge to everybody. You don't let everybody in the gates, right? You, you got to make sure that those people that you're letting in there are going to be somebody who's not going to come and terrorize the kingdom or, or leave you with a bad job. So that's where the castle comes into play. And uh, the restoration, like I said, is just simply taking something that may be beat up or drabby or not so great to, uh, to fresh and clean. Beautiful. All right. The right painter, Sam down there in Hawaii. When do you see yourself being able to retire from painting? Because many of us do not. Um, retirement, you know, even in retirement, you may not uh, quote unquote retire from painting, right? I think ultimately, again, I never thought per se that I might build something of this to have uh, some guys underneath me and a company that would be sustainable after that retirement. But again, if, if you're growing something and you're succeeding at it, why, why just let it go? 
So retirement won't be retirement for me. It just probably mean putting down the brush a little bit more and not getting down on my hands and knees. Uh, that's, I guess, the hope, you know, is, yeah, to, uh, to, to alleviate some of retirement by having a, having a business to grow on. That's something that I want to leave for my son, uh, which is part of the business. We actually have an LLC uh, name for both of our companies, and I wanted to incorporate that for him, whether he wants to. Uh, it's funny because I asked him, do you want to take over the business, you know, when he's young and stuff, and he basically told me, no, I want to do something else, and cool, you know, but at least that was the initial intent was to grow something, not for myself, but for him. Right. Right on. Wonderful. Uh, okay, let's go back out to Danny's real question and not his little uh, <laughs> trivia thing there. How do you feel about putting up your work on a public platform such as Facebook or Instagram? It's been interesting for me, like I said, because I'm pretty picky about kind of, you know, my own work and trying to uh, display it in a light that I think that uh, shows it properly, you know, taking pictures of a, of a job site, as we all know, isn't always the easiest thing. And, and being able to show some of the nitty gritty as well as some of the pretty stuff has been a, a little bit of a challenge at times. You know, you take a picture thinking it'll be something you can share and maybe it just doesn't quite capture it. So trying to be better about that as we see some of these guys on here that just do an amazing job at even showing any job. And it's like, man, that was great. So kind of learning some of that's been cool to see and, and get the hang of. Mm -hmm. Have you got any of that uh, negative stuff in any of that social media stuff? I had a couple posts? posts. I had done a few sales things on Facebook one time, and I had a couple. I think they were local guys. You know, if I clicked on their profile, I could see they're probably just a painter for somebody saying stuff. And, you know, it's it's funny what some people say because, if you if, again, if you kind of looked at the picture for what it is instead of what you're trying to make it out to be, you know, I had a guy tell me, oh, you can see all your roller marks on the walls. Well, yeah, oftentimes when we're taking that final picture, the walls are still wet. Yeah. You're going to see some marks. <laughs> That's not the point, right? Like, you can talk trash about my pictures all you want, but that was taken literally the moment you walked out the door, you pulled the drops, here, let me snap a picture real quick. Oftentimes, we don't get to go back in there and get those pictures, nor is it easy. You know, that's mm -hmm. one thing that uh, I think Instagram and a lot of the social stuff has showed me, too, is to get those pictures. It's not that the work isn't sustainable to some of the stuff to saying, but to capture that image or that time time lapse of you doing it it's it's a challenge in itself but been interesting as well because i think it helps you approach some of those to say hey i'm going to take a quick video of this maybe i should clean this up a little bit more or prep a little better because i am up on social media you know people are going to see it and potentially a client maybe i should do that every time instead of just right now for that video or something like that so it's been interesting with some of that stuff yeah you know it, it's super weird but when i go to work especially after being on Instagram, I feel like these guys, even if I don't put this job up when I'm working, I feel like I'm right. trying to do it. So Mickey down there in Australia, oh, yeah. you know, is proud of me and Danny For sure. me doing railings. Like these guys don't even see what I'm doing. You know, well, the floor the was a prime example. I didn't know, you know, I posted a couple pictures. I didn't necessarily think they were, it's a floor. It did great. But is it really, again, capturing that beauty of the wood? not really something you can do necessarily unless you're in person and mm -hmm. i just posted a couple story things up and i had more people reach out to me for that story i've been posting a lot of stories lately and getting a lot of great feedback from guys that again i don't know and have no reason to tell me it looks great yeah but sitting there telling me hey man you're doing great you're doing a good job and you say something to them like oh thanks i thought it was okay and they say no man that's not okay that's you're doing a great job obviously if people are telling you you're doing good work then you should be a little more positive about it and and approach it like that. So that's been, that's been cool. For sure. Right on. Not All everybody right. can appreciate some of those things we do, right? Like you post a picture of it, like I said, of that floor, 
not everybody understands the the hardship that goes in it. I had posted a picture of a, a pile of sandpaper. And, you know, again, that brings the most, hey, dude, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there for you. I feel you're grinding through for today, you know, you know, fist bump to uh, to, to grind through it. I, mm -hmm. We've all been there. And that's yep. cool as well, too, to see, you know, if you're having a down day or something or, you know, what process you've got for the day. And you're saying, oh, I don't know if I feel like, you know, doing the prep work on this today. You log online and see somebody's doing two times as much as you today. And you're like, OK, never mind. You know, let's chase that. <laughs> All right, let's head out to uh, Florida, to Todd Burwell. How do you deal with problematic clients that are uneasy to deal with even after going above and beyond for? So we can go back a little bit even to that, you know, that ex-wife like I said, talked about where my dad said that to her. But even with her, you know, my ultimate thing is people got to be happy. If I got to even give them the job for free, if I started it, I'd be willing to do that and walk away and everything twice about it. I, I engaged in a relationship. Again, that was ingrained in me from when I was young was you got that handshake. That's, that's it. The price tag on it, the value in it, what you pull out of it doesn't matter. You've committed to them to do that. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand about a contractor, you know, is that we're, we're ultimately obligated to a lot of this. And there's some of these things that can really come to bite you in the end and, and cost you money. If you slow somebody else down in the process, they can come back on you for that. Or, you know, we're actually enhancing their homes. They don't think of it that way necessarily. And so, you know, that, that, that kind of mentality is that you got to be there for that. So. For sure. Let's go to, uh, New York. Paintworks Decorating NYC. Sorry, I got lost on my page here. What's the best high you've got from painting? <laughs> so I don't know that I've per se gotten too high on uh, actual painting uh, fumes or anything like that. I try to avoid it at all costs. I have people telling me still even, you know, you should wear a mask. And I think for the most part, I wear one most times when I should. Stinky paint is not for me. I hate it to this day. And that's why I'm a big you talk about it often, but I'm a big water-based fan and, and water-based style revolution coming to be. It's, uh, you cannot bring stink into somebody's home successfully. Don't bring it in. There's no reason for that. That type of stuff, we don't know some of the impact it has, just like lead. We don't know some of the impact it has to certain people. It affects everybody differently. I could sit in a room with urethane and be fine for hours. And at some point you realize you're bad. Some people, they don't realize it until it's too late. And then all of a sudden they've got a serious headache and can't walk and are about to pass out. And it's like, it goes from fine to gone. That's scary stuff. I never want to, you know, it can be dangerous. So no, no highness. But as far as high, if you want to go a different route with it on ladders, uh, got a funny story for some ladders for you for a big mansion we painted out in California. Uh, me and my dad were chasing the city, you know, trying to do some estimates, which isn't always an easy thing in LA, hitting traffic and going from side to side. We did have this big job we were working on, and the last piece was a big 30 foot wide sky light basically coming in this guy's entryway. I think I have a picture of it on my profile, but uh, we needed somebody to come finish that job out for us. We weren't going to be there. We wanted to finish it out. We wanted to get paid. He wanted us out of there. We posted ads on Craigslist at the time trying to get a painter to come do it. We said, you have to be okay with heights. First and foremost, in bold letters, you must be okay with 30 plus feet. We got so many calls with guys thinking that they're the bee's knees and want to come over there and do it. We had two guys that finally came over. One of them walked away immediately and didn't want to do it. The other guy kept trying to ask us if we could get a lift in there. The problem was the guy had travertine floors. You're not going to get him up a stairway, let alone on the you know stone floor. The answer yeah. is no. Once he kind of understood, okay, I get it. We had the, our, our foreman at the time told the guy to climb the ladder. He climbed up and came right back down. 
it was not uh, one for an easy thing. And I've climbed ladders my whole life, obviously, you know, being doing that stuff. And I always say I'm, I'm okay on ladders for the most part, but that was definitely a dicey one. Me and my dad had to run two ladders in it spinning. He was up at the top section of it and I was at the bottom section of it. And I was holding the, the roller arm on my back, holding with one arm, you know, leaning inside the worst of the worst and rolling this thing. And we ended up having to come back like midday and finish it out because we couldn't get anybody to do it. But we got up there. Yeah, I think he had the full 40 footer fully extended and I had the 32 footer fully extended. And that was uh, a hard one to say the least, because again, it's a beautiful, beautiful mansion. And we're just up there, just nothing below us and on his stone floor. Well, you know, ah, it was a bad one, but yeah, that was, that's the highest I've been other than the, uh, uh, cow's end. We were up about, I think at the top of his roof where you can stand on, it was like 35 feet or something like that. You could see the whole Venice beach uh, skyline sitting up there. Again, nice. there's no opportunity like that to just sit up there and uh, appreciate your work and say, this is, this is cool. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. Let's go to, uh, Philadelphia color house painter. What's a new tool that you've recently bought that you can't believe you've been painting without? So there's tons of tools, as we all know, right? That's a big thing here on uh, Instagram that I think uh, gets us all to get wide-eyed. You know, you talk about the Festool, which those are great as well. And people talk about all sorts of stuff. But I think for me, it's one of the easier ones that doesn't really come up often is uh, I'm a firm believer in the Pretty Boy product. Um, I think that stuff's amazing. I hated cleaning brushes, never used to. Never would have bought a good brush simply for that reason, because I'm not going to spend 30 bucks on a brush that I'm just going to throw away because I'm not going to take care of it. But uh, the Pretty Boy product has come uh, leaps and bounds for me to show me that I can clean my pumps out and clean my roller frames and not have to sit there and grind on them. I can just put it in a bucket, drop them in and take a couple minutes to clean them off back to fresh. So for me, I think, yeah, Pretty Boy has been, uh, been awesome. Right on. I uh, I don't use the Pretty Boy too much for the brushes. Brian had sent me a couple mm -hmm. bottles to try out. What I use the Pretty Boy for is when I'm caulking. Yep. Throw a little yep. bit in a can, and I will tell you, man, I don't know if you use the – do you use the Sherwin-Williams products? Oh, yeah. The 1050, man, that stuff will stick yeah. to your fingers like no right. tomorrow. Forget wiping it on a rag. It ain't coming off. That stuff is stuck. Yeah, dude, you dip your finger in pretty boy, you will not have any caulking. You just literally put your hand under water and the shit falls off. Right, right. So, it's amazing. Uh, me and Brian were talking about it one time that the that the stuff that we think of it to do the stuff that we're not thinking of it to do necessarily, you know, using it for something else. Or I saw somebody the other day wiping down their walls with it. Something that we kind of talk about a lot is, you know, cleaning walls and some of us dust them or go through with a rag. But I saw him doing that. And it's like, that's pretty simple and easy. And you know that it's going to dry pretty quick and be a, be a sustainable fluid on the wall. That's been one thing that stopped me from doing it. I don't want to put some type of cleaning agent on a wall that I'm about to hit with latex. But knowing that Pretty Boy is going to be a, a product that's not going to do something weird to my paint necessarily, to be able to wipe stuff off with it or even wipe off areas, you know, get it on something to know that you're not going to bleach it. If you get it on there to help use that to clean it. The other day I spilled some... Uh, stain we were using solid color water stain and i would just move in my gear into my truck and i drip some on the concrete floor and it was right away and i got it wet and i tried to scrub it with a scrub brush but for whatever reason it just bonded to that concrete and i'm like oh crap what am i going to do it wasn't horrible but for me any spot's a bad spot i just took one little drop of the pretty boy took out my, my pretty boy scrubber that he you, you can get with him sometimes and came right off it was like a moment of oh crap what am i going to do i don't want to leave this here customer may not see it but just 
what do I do in these moments? And yeah, put that pretty boy on there. And I tell my customers about it too, here and there, and just saying it's a great eco-friendly cleaning product to clean things with. Like people often ask too, like what should they clean our cabinets with after we do them? Well, pretty boy is a great product to do that with because it's not going to hurt them. It's not going to make them, you know, dingy, dirty, wear stuff like that. So it's a, it's a great tool. All right. Well, Mr. Cooney, $50 US, please. He knows I love him, man. Like I said, I'm a, I'd say, <laughs> how can you not want to uh, push that product too? That label is just uh, like everybody says, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fun product. I made a video over the summer and it's just one of those things. It's an enjoyable thing to use that does what it says plus more. And for me, that's uh, any product you can use for more than it's worth is, is uh, gold. Right on. All right, let's go up to England, my buddy, Nathan from Nice Decor. If you could have had any other job other than painting, what do you think you would have been and why? So going back to the other side of my business, I think uh, sign maker is something I am doing. I think these two things, it wasn't something that I necessarily grew up thinking, oh, hey, I'm going to be a painter and hey, I'm going to make signs. I can remember uh, very young going in a sign place with my dad, seeing them weeding vinyl and making signs and just thought that was one of the coolest things. How do you get those letters on that panel right there to look as good as they did? And at the time, I didn't understand it. Even as a kid, I loved stickers and playing with stickers. I used to stick them on my face. My mom's got some pictures of me just, you know, covered in stickers. And what kid doesn't like to play with stickers? So that's the other side of what I do is uh, play with stickers. I just like them really big where most people are used to them really small. You know, the stuff that most people would look at and say, holy crap, what am I going to do with this big piece? I love that, man. Let's stick, let's stick it somewhere. Yeah, right on. All right. We are going to Michigan. Brian Wagner painting. If you were to go back and start your painting career over again, what would be the biggest change you would make? I think I wouldn't have kind of uh, turned my back on it a little bit after I did there when the lead law didn't really kind of set us up for success through that summer. I think I should have uh, tried to keep it alive a little bit more through working for some of the other people. It would have been super hard because I had a full-time job at the time and again was at somebody else's mercy. But uh, it's kind of a dead spot for me as far as, you know, growth where I look back now and say, you know, the only thing I could have done differently was uh, to not have that kind of five-year delay a little bit. Okay. Where are we going next? Uh, let's go up to Australia again. Mike's painting. What are some of your early day painting blunders? Early day painting blunders, huh? Well, uh, we all have fun <laughs> with that, right? Uh, again, no, no learning like the, uh, the hard way, like I said, grinding it out and just trying stuff, you know. Uh, I didn't learn. I never worked for another painting company. I never have. So a lot of the things I've learned on site have been, been the hard way, you know, using stuff for what it's not meant for, or like I said, relying on a product that I still use to this day and never looking back. Uh, so just, just, yeah, I've learned the hard way in lots of things, not having them work and uh, not, not knowing what, you know, coatings to put on here, but uh, yeah. All right. We're going to London, England, Rick Appleton. What's the next big purchase to improve your business? So make big next purchase. You talked about it. Always say it. Fest tools. You can't not get into it again. It's the next transition. I think beyond painting, right? We got we got regular wall painting. We got exterior painting. Those are pretty standardized stuff. That's not necessarily my bread and butter anymore. Does it make money? Does it sustain a business? Sure. Uh, I think that's attainable for most people. But going the step above 
to provide the services that not every painter can do, not every company can do. A lot of people say they can do it, but still can't attain that, uh, that quality. Most people don't know what that quality looks like, but in order to get there, like others have said, uh, you've got to have the tools and you've got to pay to play. Um, and so I think for me, getting a, getting a bit more of a dustless system, a couple more sanders in our arsenal, as well as upping the uh, fine finish game is uh, our next year venture here to, uh, yeah, just hit that gung-ho. Yeah, I, I love the people who, you know, make up all the excuses not to invest in, in say, like a Planex or, I mean, we won't even specifically say Festool. We call the Merca Liros or whatever it is that Sam is always preaching, you know. Any of these big wall sanders, I love when they try to say, I can full sand the walls just as good. Yeah. No, my friend, you cannot. There is <laughs> nobody, there is nobody who is going to take a pole sander and pole sand these walls as good and even as fast and as clean as you're going to do. I just want to throw sander. a pole sander in the garbage the few times I've used them flipping and flopping around and you hit, you hit, a, you know, the wrong direction. All of a sudden it yanks on you and you bash the wall because of it or pulled it the wrong direction. Oh, I hate those things. They're the worst. I couldn't tell you when the last time I manually used my <sighs> Probably pole Probably a big sander. reason I never got into drywall. I just, uh, uh no, thank you. Those things are horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I, the new uh, Dewalt looking pretty good. I don't know if you saw that. I'm, uh, I think maybe without going to the big, uh, you know. Oh, okay, hold, hold on. on. Be before you do that, okay, let's let's talk about that because I almost did that. I know now, you did. I saw you talking about it a little yes, bit, and I had to convince myself not to because I spoke to a few people. I know what the stores will tell you, how long the right. batteries will last, and everything else. Um, it's 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 not worth it. It's really not. You're gonna well, make I the think jump, for me, the, the only reason, the only reason it would make sense is simply because I wouldn't. Well, I tell myself this now, but you know, wouldn't get into a larger job that would require the extra stuff. But obviously, we all know that, like you said, the odds are you're you're getting that system to to grow. That's part mm -hmm. of the business, right? It's not just buying the tool for the one job. You're not just going to get it like a homeowner, use it, and then throw it away because you you, you don't have another purpose for it. Um, but yeah, I got Dewalt stuff now. I think the only reason I'd even think about it, I know with the battery stuff, the 20 volt systems have come a long ways, but you gotta have a ton of them. I've got yeah. a ton of them already. The other yeah. thing I saw with the Dewalt, I don't know if you've seen it, I saw one post on it lately, but I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe it is. They're coming out with a portable 390 now off the 20 volt system. Never saw that, no. Yeah, I saw I one post on it the other day, kind of cool. It takes it away from the compact now. It makes sense, we can run 40 volts on it. You run two 20 volt. 20 volts or they have the uh the the flex volt batteries which are the 40 volt and 20 volt yeah and apparently they're hooking that up now to the graco 390 again blows <laughs> me away i don't know that i'd ever really need it but i know that the times yeah. that i use my portable it might but, make sense to not have a cord running around per se maybe but well well, well well here's the thing running one of those batteries on a 390 those batteries could barely <laughs> So it's barely, is, it, is the is the sander the twenty volt or is it the forty volt? That's it's what I didn't 20. know either. It's, it's a yeah, 20. see, so the flex volt's what you want because mm -hmm. that's the forty volt, and they run below forty, so it's more power, more sustainable. That's what they should have probably done was made the sander the flex volt. I don't know why they didn't. It would have made more sense. Yeah, more power. See, with the with the Dewalt, um, see, like when you when you go festival, if you buy a battery operated sander. Like yeah, one of the hand sanders. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the you either run it off the battery. You still need to have your hose hooked up, so you're still really? got. Let's yeah. say, well, it's wireless, but now you have your vacuum hose. So are you really wireless? If you want to run that machine by power, 
you take out the battery, you put the adapter in, you smack that. The Walt should come out with that. Yeah. If they I had that, I may have would have bought one. Well, it would just, make sense. Just just to have one. But uh, the extractor, look into that. You might want to go with a with a Festool or maybe even a Merca yeah, as an extractor. Yeah, I'm on the fence, like a lot of guys, you know, with which side to go with. You know, I, I I've seen a lot of stuff again for the Mircas, as everybody talks about. You've seen a lot of stuff for the Festool. I think ultimately it really also boils down to what's available locally. Yeah, uh, for sure. The first time I saw Mirka at a store I don't normally go to, I went and picked up some. I believe it was a Benjamin Moore store, and they had the Mirka there, I think it was. And just to see it in person was something I hadn't seen yet as well. And I know a lot of people that are Festool users, and it really just depends on what you're using it for and the tools. I said to somebody else, I said, you know, just like with that floor, I was talking to them. They were surprised that I sanded most of it by hand. And I said, well, this isn't, I'm not grinding this floor down. I'm, I'm, I'm doing multiple layers of different varying opacities of your stain. I can't just take any five inch orbital to it and, and go slow. You know, I got to have the right tools. And in order to do that with best tool, I hate to say it, but I need two sanders. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, you can't just always get the one. The one works great, but then what if you need the other one? Or what if you should have been using that one? And so for me, I know it's that investment, but once it's done, you're going to put them to work. Yeah. You're going to put sure. them to work. Yeah. You're going to make and the money. They can't not. You, like you said, there's no way you can get that finish once you get it dialed in. And it might take some time. It might take some dialing to really figure out how many RPMs, to really figure out how much sandpaper. But it's the same thing with when we sand by hand. You're sanding mm -hmm. with one sandpaper. It's not working all that great. You're saying, oh, man, what's wrong? Change to maybe 200, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, night and day difference. Same way with some of those. But, yeah, the, the controllability is really where tools have come for me with the brushless motors now just like i even have uh, some of the five inch regular dewalt portables just that's why i've mentioned it i use those on exteriors now for going up and doing fascia boards just put the little dust you know bag on there click my battery i don't have a freaking cord i'm climbing up the ladder with i started using the crap out of that thing but with the brushless motor it feels so good in your hand i know it's nowhere near a festival so for me to jump to that and feel the, the beauty of even just a basic sander now with the controllability of the good motors and vibration I can only imagine what some of these other ones do. And yeah, you, you, you make them work for you, for your system. You're not, you're not getting them to do something that they're not meant to do. For sure. Okay, okay let's head out to uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Toman Painting. Have you ever spilt a pail of paint on carpet or hardwood while a homeowner was home? I have never uh, spilled it while they're home myself that I can remember. Mostly I drop off pretty heavy. I have some old school, heavy, super heavy canvas, you know, drops that I pull around and they, they soak everything up. So we've never really had that problem per se. And I try to be pretty careful with my, with my setups, but uh, we have spilled it cleaning up and kind of leaving before on some hardwoods. I remember we spilled it on a hardwood and it was a yellow and uh, cleaned it up as best we could, but uh, still got some of those crevices. Uh, didn't have the shop back around at the time or some pretty boy. I could have just gotten a hell of a lot of hot water and some pretty boy and sucked that baby out. But we got it all out to where you couldn't tell. But yeah, if they ever pulled that floor out, there's going to be a nice yellow puddle underneath. That's one of the things about being a painter as well. You're, the bucket's going to fall. You might even tip over a five gallon in a homeowner's home. Are you prepared for that? I had a bucket of paint fall over in my car one time at 1.30 in the morning coming back from, from Walmart. They've been sitting in the back of the car for three days. Why it decided to fall out at 1.30 in the morning, I have no idea, but it happened. <laughs> so do I leave the white paint in the back of the wife's car that has black carpet? No. Go get a hell of a lot of hot water. Again, didn't have Pretty Boy at the time. Just scrub it, suck it, scrub it, suck it till it gets out. 
the paint's gone. There's no evidence of paint in that car. But having the confidence that if I ever do dump one in somebody's house, I remember the first time somebody showed me exteriors about putting dirt on, you know, paint, mm -hmm. dump paint in the driveway. And all of a sudden, you know, Joe Schmo, the painter that, you know, is, is from rehab comes over and tells you, just dump some dirt on it, dude, you'll be good. And then you go and do it. And you're like, holy crap, it's gone. Like, yeah, that was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. I, I, I still love to this day, you get some, you know, you just do it a little drip somewhere outside and you take a little mud, you smear it on there, wipe it with a little water and mm -hmm. suck it up like baking soda. That's yeah. Just, I guess that's one of those old uh, painter's tips as well. Not everybody knows, but grab some dirt. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, okay, we're going out to Australia again. Mickey the Painter, one of my favorites. What do you like most about our IG paint community? And do you have any favorite painters? I like the support. I briefly touched on it before. I've been able to really ask guys questions direct. That's one of the cool things I think about some of this too, is you can get a real good feel for guys through their account and through their posting too, and who you see them actually responding to, you know, Danny touched on it, I believe, in one of his podcasts that, you know, you put yourself out there, you better be willing to kind of accept what comes sometimes and not be the asshat to sit there and tell people, go figure it out yourself. You know, we're talking about it. We're hashtagging these things. We're, we're tagging distributors and vendors and stuff and stuff. So, so being able to bounce off ideas has been uh, the greatest. I follow a lot of, like I said, really people that push me, that I see doing stuff that that's where I want to get to be. Those are the types of jobs I want to do and following them. Uh, Edgewater's one that I think doesn't get named a lot. He does some amazing woodwork that uh, his name's Eric and we've been talking a lot lately and he's been, we've been bouncing stuff off each other and talking about gel stains and talking about poly and things that you can't necessarily do with even your worker if you had one or another painter at the store as we've touched on before in the past. Some are nice to talk to, some aren't, but when you can sit there and be messaging a guy at 8 p.m. after work. You just did your floor and he's sitting there giving you a pat on the back and, you know, saying you used that product, great. That's been great. You know, Midway, Dennis, Eric, Russell, all those guys testing out products and putting them out there for people to see. That's, I've learned from Sanson, from Russell. I used the product. My, my, my rep was telling me how great the product was and told me there's nothing else like it. And then you go see somebody like Russell that's blasting it on a whole freaking cabin, you know, with, with nothing but good things to say about it and telling you it's the most durable stuff I've ever put on there before. Well, if I can make it bomb proof, I'm all about it. So I'll go in there making it bomb proof from the beginning with the confidence that others are using this with great success to, to its limit where I'm just kind of scratching the surface. So yeah, I would say, uh, every, you know, a lot of people name them to, you know, ZK Turner top line paradise finish is another one. He does some great stuff and, uh, he hits me up all the time here and there. And it's cool just to have people shooting the shit with you when you're, you're just out there working and you might get a message from a guy or posted, like I said, I've been doing the story stuff lately. And it's, it's cool to, I, like you said, I feel like they're, I feel like they're right there beside me helping yeah. me with the job. They may not be standing right there with me, but they are, they, they yeah. did. They, they opened up their phone for that moment. Maybe they were taking a, a water break. Maybe they were taking a food break, but they, they took the time to take a look at my work and reach out. And that gives you, you know, like people say, there's a, there's mantra, there's, uh, you know, auras in the world and there's connections. And if you got 50 people during your day that are telling you, hey, man, you're doing a great job, it's going to give you those endorphins and help you to stay positive. So for sure, that's been a really cool thing for me to just get the feedback from people that do know the trade. You're not going to get it from your customer. They don't know what you just did. You, mm -hmm. you, you, you worked magic for them or it wasn't a big deal for what you did for them. They just paid you money when everybody else knows you, you, you created a feat there. You, you created magic. You did something that one out of 50 guys would do or be able to do as good as you did. 
it's cool to get some uh, some recognition for that and to be able to connect with people that are all over the world or that again will will literally take 15 minutes out of their your day time is 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 patient thing we all talk about it and it's true and if somebody can sit there and message you for 10 minutes back and forth to help you on your job that's the coolest thing ever right on all right let's uh let's see johnny the happy painter also down there in texas what type of vehicle do you prefer and why so we just and, got and, i mentioned wait, sorry one one sec uh aaron i told you alpha alpha yes alpha that little jerk sometimes he could be a real jerk no i'm just kidding he's a good dude sometimes sometimes he's a good dude but he tries to leave me voice messages right but his phone is plugged up with overspray so i keep well, telling you a lot of people pretty boy doesn't do anything so don't worry you're not missing out buddy it doesn't no, do anything uses, but what do i know he, he needs to put his phone in a brush baggie simple problem solved stop putting the dirt in it stop keeping them in your toolbox and and trying to pretend that you don't have them put your phone in the brush baggie Aaron protect the <laughs> microphone then we'll be able to hear you he's trying to make my phone efforts. actually doesn't charge anymore i think it's from leaving it on the table from sanding i can't get it to charge anymore and i'm uh, a little frustrated at it i can't get any cord to work anymore not even like the standard iphone cord and i thought it was fine and all of a sudden uh, like you said whoops it's supposed to be oh you got you got to get a a toothbrush an old toothbrush i've put done it, in it. i've cleaned it with alcohol it worked for a little while, but now I think I just killed them. I don't know if I cleaned it too much or what, but uh, I can get it to charge on Bluetooth, but not on a cord anymore. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I saw those uh, foam baggies. I thought that was a pretty funny yeah. joke. But why buy the foam baggies when you have the brush baggies? Right. It's, it's a no-brainer. Okay, where are we going here now? We're going to do a couple more. Let's go to uh, Jersey, ProTal. What are some of the challenges that you're faced with when trying to make time for both family and home? That's been tough, especially trying to grow both my kind of businesses. They are, you know, more or less separate entities and both take me away at times. And sometimes I find myself just doing nothing but uh, answering the phone uh, on days I'm supposed to be working. And so I got to still get the work done and we still got to make money to obviously pay the bills. So it's been a, it's been a constant struggle, but uh, you take on that, you got to figure it out. So that's been, again, a transition for me has been, to understand what that means moving forward and just try to do better. It may not happen right away, but just have some actual things I'm changing instead of just saying, I wish it was better. You know, I got, I got to make it better. I'm starting to delegate this year uh, with a lot of the tasks that I do wearing a lot of the hats that I have been just to understand that I don't have to do a lot of that stuff and I can reach out for help and it may not make sense and it might be expensive at first, but I can't make money if I'm, on my phone. I can't make money if I'm having somebody do my taxes, you know, if I'm having to type out the taxes and not having somebody do it for me. So uh, I got to find ways to make more time. This year with COVID too, <clears throat> it showed me what, how nice it was to be around, how much I enjoyed it. Again, I wasn't around every day necessarily, but I've been around more, I think, than I was. And I enjoyed it a lot. And I got to find a way to, to do that because I didn't have, even with working with my dad over the years, my dad didn't live with me. I didn't grow up with my dad. I saw him here and there. And as I got older, I started working with him more, but he wasn't around for me for, you know, being a kid. So I want to be there for my son. That was another big reason I, you asked why I started a business for myself. I wanted to be able to do anything my son needed me to at the moment I needed to, and not have to have somebody threatening me to get fired. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been at every doctor's appointment he's had just about, and the doctors almost look at you like you're crazy. Like, what are you both doing here? We had many, many doctors like, oh, it's wonderful that your dad can be here too that's cool to kind of hear that, to know that, you know, I, I, I did it mm -hmm. I could be done tomorrow, 
not do anything else, but at least for these few years, I've, I've sustained that and been able to do that. Again, not easy, but I gave more than I had. So hopefully that bodes well for the future. Right on. Okay, we are heading out to Scotland. CMC Decorators. How much has the game changed since you've been in it? So back, you know, when watching my dad and all that back in the days, I never really got to know a lot of it. I'd say between the past 10 or 15 years where I've really been ingrained in it and doing it on the uh, production side where it wasn't necessarily your standard run-of-the-mill painting, more painting signage and painting letters and painting pieces and parts, as well as painting uh, houses. The, the coatings, you can't deny that the coatings have come leaps and bounds where they were. I tell my customers to this day, they talk about how good is your coating and is this coating better than that? Bottom line, the worst paint now is better than the old paint back in the day, unless we're talking oil, because oil's been more or less oil, but even oil to this day, the oils now that they're producing, like the fine paints of Europe, it's just amazing. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the quality that we're able to sustain with some of these coatings. And for mm -hmm. me, again, the confidence to rely on some of these, I never would have painted cabinets back when I was younger, when I first started. Uh, it just wasn't something that made sense to me. It wasn't something I could confidently do with the applications I had. And it might've been just lack of knowledge. It might've just been lack of uh, not having the right salesman to show me the right system to use. But ultimately they weren't all available back then. We used to hit, you know, we were all hitting houses and some still do to this day, just hit them with semi-gloss on trim. Will it work? Is it better than your normal latex? Sure. It probably dries a little bit harder because of the gloss coating, but why not take it that extra step further and use some of the urethanes or some of the hybrids or some of that when cost points the same, but your durability goes through the roof. Instead of painting for somebody for three to five years, I, I tell people I paint for them for 10 years. My goal is to have it look beautiful for 10 years. Am I going to hit it every time? Is every application going to do it? No, but can I trust these coatings that I'm applying if applied in the correct way? Yes, 100%. I only use bomb-proof products that I've tested. I, I started to deviate from that a little bit uh, this past year. Started to use some Miller products. Uh, I was pretty much using Sherwin the whole time. But uh, Miller's got some amazing products and other, other manufacturers as well. But if I, don't, if I don't try some of these newer, everybody's coming out with new coatings, right? They're all chasing somebody. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a reason for that. Speaking of the uh, fine paints of Europe, I have not tried it. I actually just last night decided that I'm going to see where is it available in my right. area. So there is a store, I think is uh, about 45. I think there's only three places in Canada that actually sell it in locations. And one of them is just west of Toronto here. Very shocked to find out that I think it, their their sizes were pretty weird too. They had a yeah, half they're, they're, liter. it's, it's uh, not even the right the full gallon. It's two point five liters, which comes two. out to like a little over a half gallon. I think it is right. Yeah, one hundred and sixty six bucks Canadian. Yeah, for 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 a two and a half uh, liter. Yep, I mean you I know like, you gotta you gotta you gotta again. It's it's is there even a comparable product on the market? No, so what does it matter? It's really not that expensive for what it does for some of the things you can do with it. People never would have chased mirrors before a lot of that. Go ahead and do it. Have fun. You know, the things that we see some guys do with brushing some of that stuff out again, just the skill. It's not only skill, it's the coating is able to do it. They have to have the skill to apply it, but the coating mm -hmm. has to, has to be happy, you know? And so, yeah, the FBE, I, I have been wanting to, I posted a thing last year, I think about seven months ago, right before summer, uh, when I first kind of heard about it, there's a store in Portland that stocks it, but they don't stock a lot of it. And 
I was like, you know, can I get my hands on it? And he said, oh yeah, we can bring it out here for you. But yeah, once I kind of knew how much it was and stuff too, I, I knew I needed to really dedicate some focused testing time and uh, kind of been following guys again on the Instagram and seeing what people are using it for, how they're using it, what other guys are testing it. I was kind of waiting to get a good, nice palette of it because if I'm gonna pay shipping, I want them to send me a couple, you know, send me one of everything. I'll take everything on the left side of the menu, right? So. I was waiting for the uni primer to come out and I reached out to them once I saw some posts about that. I'm kind of gonna get some of that and get some of the oil and, and just do some tests and show people, you know, have people be able to feel and touch it. Ultimately, it's up to the customer. A lot of people wanna only have one system. I don't wanna be the one, one trick pony. I wanna be able to offer a couple different things and be able to educate people that what the difference is, and why there's a big cost difference or what the expectations are. So I think mm -hmm. the only, uh, thing is to try to use as they say you know liquid gold as your top of the iceberg right or or, or maybe it's not for me yeah i don't know i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely try it out on my front door well, with the uh with the new 206 and 306 tips that uh tri-tick came out with again that's uh talk about the game changers i you can't chase certain things unless you have to set up you know i got a little hvlp set up too to spray some solvents and stuff too recently you, you got to have certain systems to try it out and see what works for you so I had to kind of set that up as well, not to just think, oh, I got my 390, I got a fine finish tip. Before, you weren't even seeing very many guys, even even the beginning of last year, posting about using the airless with FPE. All of a sudden, lately, I've seen a lot more guys putting it front and center that they're, they're not spraying them with only cup guns. They're using airless. They're using diaphragm pumps to spray this stuff. And for me, that's been kind of the, okay, what are you waiting for? You, you've got the tips, you've got the pumps. You just got to do it. So mm -hmm. I'm going to definitely get my hands on some and uh, see what I can do. Uh, everybody's got to have a mirror laying around, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I don't know what color it's going, but I'm going to try it out of my front door. I, ordering it, you got to click the colors and stuff. And that's the only thing for me has been a hard thing as well. I like to I tell my customers too, what if we ever have a problem? Or what if COVID's here and we can't get your product? What if we can't finish? I like to be able to go local, especially if it's it's here. I know it's here. It's on the shelf. It's got to mm -hmm. be my bread and butter stuff. FPE is something that you got you to gotta dedicate to. You either got to have it in the shop or you got to know how long it's going to take to get it. Then you got all the dry time that everybody talks about. It's, it's a whole nother world, but the world's worth it to try to play with because if mm -hmm. you can put yourself in that world, there's not very many guys there, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just try it out on one door and I'll probably only ever use it that one That's time. It. Get the front because, door kit. Uh, I guess they got a. I think they got a brilliant '98 front door kit or something like that. You can yeah. buy. It's the 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 actual product. I think, and then a primer to go with it. And it's supposed to be all you need. And I've seen a lot of guys getting that too. The nice thing is they do sell some uh, smaller containers, so you don't have to do the 160 to try it. Thin yeah, it no, no, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I looked at. I mean, the... other coatings too. Some of the other hybrids and some of the other, you know, really nice finishes. Renner, Malesi. Those aren't any cheaper necessarily when it push comes to shove because again they're not at the shelf next to me. I got yeah. a paper shipping. I got to add that in. You got to get more than you need. So if you only need three gallons, four gallons, you're going to order five to seven. You're in it more than you wanted to be because it's not just at your local Sherwood. It's not at your local paint store. But prepare accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. Again, it's a different. It's a, it's a it's a it's a uh, undertaking that I think a lot of us want to dabble in. Few of us want to continue to process, but. Uh, it would be a fun world to just do nothing but paint with that stuff. Boy, oh boy, you'd uh, you'd definitely come across some other guys with Hummers. <laughs> there you go. Eh? Okay, let's. Uh, where are we gonna go here? We're gonna finish up with Scott down there in Georgia, AAA. What brand of paint do you use, and why?
So I kind of just touched bit. on that. I, uh, have you Sherwin? My dad always used Sherwin. We had a great uh, relationship with Sherwin. We had one time where a coating failed actually on that property I told you about for Cow's End. We were painting his tile. Um, at the time, we'd never done outside tile like that or even really done much tile. They told us what to use on it, but they didn't tell us we needed to etch it. Uh, we ended mm. up having it basically fail and went and talked to the store. And they took responsibility of that job for us. They actually paid us to fix it. They gave us the product. They actually paid us for labor, gave us the material to do that. That was awesome for me to have that relationship with them and be able to have them do that. Some people speak horrible about every company. Again, it's everybody's different relationships, different salesmen, different people at the customer mm -hmm. service place. But ultimately, Sherwin's never let us down really other than that one time. And even then, we fixed it, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a product that I knew was sustainable and durable. I've got homes in Portland that are over 10 years with Sherwin products looking beautiful. Uh, why, why deviate? But knowing that there's other manufacturers producing all, you know, as good, if not better stuff out there, I had to be willing to go outside my comfort zone a little bit. So I'm starting to uh, venture out into some other ones as well. But ultimately, most, most of the time, it'll end up being Sherwin, usually. Right on. All right. Well, Jeff, that is where we are going to finish up. Because right, it's uh, after 11 o'clock here. I am up at 4.30 in the morning. For what? I don't know. Probably just to drink coffee and, you know, sit around Sitting, until it's uh, time to leave. But that's about the time I wake up. That's about the time I wake up every day for no reason. So, uh, yes, I appreciate you coming out tonight and spending a couple hours uh, getting to know you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, sir. Everyone else, we are back next Tuesday. We're sticking here in Canada. We're actually heading out to the Quebec province. Quebec. The, the, the Quebec province. The French province. <laughs> French, right? Quebec. We're going so I traveled through Canada a little bit. It's funny enough that a lot of Canadians don't speak French, you know, when I found that out traveling through and uh, dealing with that. That's pretty funny. Because here's, here's, here's Canada, right? <laughs> this is the English Canada, and uh, this yeah. is French, French Canada. Well, right I remember here. we were traveling through. We went to a gas station, and he, uh, he, there was, you know, the ATM machine at the time, and he wanted us to put our card in, and I was trying to get it to work. And he, I said, you know, what does this say? And the guy goes, I don't know. He goes, just give me cash. It'll be easier. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, it, it's funny because they did, I know I spoke about this before too, but they, they do try to teach you French in school. Yeah. But well, that was, that was uh, the time that I decided. I, I had, to... I, I took French for a little while and that's one of the only classes I've ever failed. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, I passed it. How I don't know because I had to, but that was my, that was when I decided that I was going to be the class clown. Oh, there you go. That'll so that's why I, I know very little French. Very, very little. I'll try next week uh, to have a French show. Yeah. I, I'm going to get bonjour, and that's about it. I can say eat shit. I can say a couple uh, bad words, and that's about it. Other than that, I only speak English. But, um, yeah, so next week, it's Apollo Painting out there in Montreal, 9 p.m., back to our regular time. And, uh, like I said, I appreciate uh, you Yeah, thank you, me. sir. I'll have, have a good night. And soon as we jump off, I'll get this episode reposted. And at some point tomorrow, I'll have it up on the podcast, which I've been doing for uh, season three. Cool, man. Thanks, All right. Sir. And we did night. the sticker exchange already, I believe. We did, back, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, it was so a while. A little there. while. I sent you that uh, Corona Roller, the uh, Ultra Fast. The big one. Yeah. What's the big one, right? I still have I love it. those rollers, man. I can beat the crap out of those things. Uh, I actually had the local Miller store bring them in for me because I loved them so much. I... I 
I haven't used anything quite quite like it that's worked out well. Those ultra fast, you can beat the crap out of them, wash them again, and beat the crap out of them some more. I used one of their, I think it was a normal Wooster All Fab. Didn't even finish two walls before I felt like it was dead. Those mm -hmm. ultra fasts are uh, they're nice. What about the uh, the pretty? What is it, Colossal? So I used originally, I really liked the Colossus back before, and I heard that uh, once Sherwin kind of grabbed him, a few people were kind of in saying, insinuating that they had gone down. I didn't necessarily notice anything other than they were a lot more linty, maybe mm -hmm. not as good as quality control. And the 18-inch rollers in general, you're going to have a little bit more because obviously it's 18, not just a 9. You're going to be compounding your, your, your lint. But for me, the Colossus just have been way too linty. I can't get them clean. I'll sit there and pre-wet them and clean them and pre-wet them and clean them and pre-wet them and clean them and there's just too much dust. The Coronas have a, they're tinted, so they're like coated. And so for me, I also realized that they were easier to clean, therefore also easier to get the paint on the wall. It's not sticking to the microfibers as much. The yellow coating seems to just do something else different than the Colossus. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been preaching for them. And like I said, the new Miller store now is stocking them because uh, I told them I, I think your rollers are garbage. <laughs> Right on. Well, you know what? I may even try this one on my job. I just started one up uh, yesterday, so I'm doing it alone because we're under restrictions right now. Mm -hmm. It's supposed right, to be I've a stay-at-home stay order, but uh, my stay-at-home order is, is, is enough is enough. Well, with the 18s, I use, you know, I don't, you hear some people talking about naps too. You know, I'm, I use a nap up. You know, if you think you need to use a 3-8 nap, use a half nap. Just roll it a little further. You can put a lot more paint on there and yeah. then start to bring it down. I had a guy who was wondering, why are you using a half inch and a three quarter inch on the ceiling? Why aren't you using less than that? And I said, it doesn't hold enough paint. You know, you dip a three quarter inch or even dip a one inch, you know, you could do it. You just got to roll it out enough. And so I like using the half inch and the three quarter inch on the ceilings. That's my go-to is three quarter ceiling, half inch walls and get it on the walls. And those things produce, man. So I'm a big 18 inch guy for sure. Right on. If you Lambswool, I see uh, the red painter saying Lambswool. Yeah, I, I only see very few Lambswool covers locally anymore, or even anywhere. Lambswool yeah. is great too, but I feel like the the microfibers for me uh, release it a little better. We actually did a ceiling job uh, the other day, and I had a Lambswool. It was like a hybrid, and it brought me back. I felt like they were holding too much paint versus releasing it more, and I had more paint inside that 18 inch roller than was getting on the wall. It was just extra heavy. It was still yeah. looking great and gave a great finish. But for me, uh, a nice happy medium of uh, fine finish rollability for application and then thickness of application being able to not have to dip a lot. The the ultra fasts have been beautiful. Yeah, the lamb will um, actually use those every now and then. I don't often roll out mud. You know, mm -hmm. but they're they're great for right for those. Mud. I can imagine they're beautiful. Really and, great and for rolling out mud. Literally zero freaking uh, you know stuff coming off and no splatter that's the beautiful mm -hmm. things about the lambs walls yeah the splatters down a lot too but yeah. uh you can't you can't beat a good uh, broken in microfiber man they can sling some pain i i we had some jobs i did recently with that other guy that we were just hammering through i don't even know how we were doing it so fast but i attest it to a good 18 inch roller and uh that's it get in right on grind. well you mentioned uh, microfiber if you get a chance the guys out of new zealand two fussy blokes they have, some, yeah. they have some nice rollers. Those look nice. Um, especially the mini, the mini rollers. Mm -hmm. Those are great, man. Oh, my God. The finish on those, it looks like it's a sprayed door. I yep, did it I on know. some I doors. It was, it was can't just be like... a nice, soft, fluffy, good roller. Dude, that, those rollers are good. Those rollers are good. Um, I didn't use them on the 9 and the 18. I did a couple times. Not enough that I can really compare it to what I'm used to. But right. the mini rollers, by far, I can truly say i think they were the best rollers i've used in the mini 
And I'm not a microfiber guy. I was very impressed with the, the finish right? that it gave. Well, I, yeah, and I, I'm not, yeah, I usually use the exterior microfibers with uh, some of them, but they're just, it's a little bit different world. You know, they do their thing, and sometimes they blow up and get really puffy, and sometimes they kind of wear down really quick. So it just yeah. depends, yeah. Uh, again, on obviously the coating you're using. But for me, interior, that's, that's it. There's no other way to go. Right on. Well, you should see if you can get your hands on some of those, man, because yeah, they are blokes. great. Two fussy I blokes. sure will. Right on. All right, man. All right, my friend. Nice have a good night, with bro. you. Like I yep. said, guys, we'll see you next Tuesday. We're off to Montreal. You have a good night.